Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Get ready for winter driving at Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers with super deals on tires, including up to $200 on new Goodyear tires, plus oil changes, brakes, batteries, and more. For value and savings, click on gotodobbs.com today. This is the Ribs and BK Podcast on 101 ESPN. So the Blues once again stick to form and lose a two-goal lead and then lose the game. Barkstrom is going to get the win. He was outstanding in the Blues face elimination now on Friday night, having given up a game that was in their grasp tonight. That's a disappointing finish. So that's the call last night right here on 101 ESPN. Chris Kerber on the call as the Blues lose game number five. What? Rhyming that right yeah, now? Yeah, why did you? I'm in no mood to yeah. discuss this, and now you're rhyming you it like said a that? child's like nursery rhyme. Like you had a rhyme? smile on your face. <laughs> lose, lose. You know why you did that, Rivs? Because he's thinking, ooh, blues in seven. That's what I said. I tried to tell you. You brought it up, not me. Let's make that very clear. You weren't headed there. I said all along blues in seven. Never wavered. Always believed. And I still believe. Yeah, one thing, right? We talked a lot about the second period of game number four and how that was the difference for the Blues. They were able to win that game because of the intensity that they played with in that second period. The way that they controlled the puck for the entirety of the second period in game number four. Last night was the opposite. What we saw in game number four in the second period with them winning the game, that's where they lost it last night. And we can go down a million different rabbit holes as to what went wrong for the Blues. But I think, based on our conversations before the show today, we're kind of all on the same path here. I'm not all that worried about the Blues based on what I saw last night. Did they lose the game? Of course. They didn't play all that poorly. A few things went wrong, and we'll get into them, but they make a few adjustments. They get a little bit more puck luck than they got last night. I think they have every reason to believe that they're still going to win this series. Last night wasn't all that alarming to me. I'm so glad somebody said somebody else said puck luck because I put that out there last night. I got roasted on the postgame show. Yeah. Well, look, guys, here, here's where we're at with it, okay? And yes, can we talk about the Alex Petrangelo broken stick on the power play leading to a crazy kind of breakaway? Did, did Petro play that kind of wrong? Yeah, he did, and we can get into that later as well. But then the puck goes off a referee, off or off the player, off the referee off for the a breakaway. Yeah. yeah, there's puck luck involved last night. But you know what? We also had some puck luck. Ryan O'Reilly's goal, he wasn't even trying to do that. Let's be honest. He was looking yep. for Braden Shannon on the other side, and it hits the back of Markstrom and goes in the net. So 
At the end of the day, you create your luck. And here's what here's what I saw overall is, and we were texting throughout the game, as we always do. I expected a big push early from Vancouver, which we saw. And the power play for Vancouver in the first, what, 30 seconds of the game? 10 seconds. That didn't help uh, out very much at all as far as creating momentum. I thought the Blues responded, came out of that relatively unscathed when they finally tied it up 1-1, which, by the way, Braden Shen, another top glove goal. Top glove is the theme. Obviously, we've been talking about the whole series. Markstrom goes down early. You're going to see a lot of pucks up high on him. And then there was a pocket of time in the second period to where, yes, there was some bad luck. Yes, there were some missed assignments. Was the intensity dropped a little bit? Maybe a little bit, yes. Was there a bad goal on Jake Allen? Absolutely. Was there two goals that were suspect? I don't know. I'm willing to give the benefit of the doubt on the one that was under him, the JT Miller goal. I'm like, you know what? That's just kind of is what it is. Uh, but here's here's the thing, guys. The momentum of the series is created by how you play, right? And what I mean by that is, and we've talked about this, you either play on your heels or you play on your toes, which means you're headed up the ice, down ice to the opposition. A couple of those bad goals go in, and guess what happened? Automatically, the boys went back on their heels, and the analytics support it. Their zone time was not there. Their transition was not there. Their zone exits were not there. Their retrieval of pucks in the defensive zone were not there. Guess what was there, though, which was an interesting thing. When you watch the game over and you look at the actual zone chart, the Blues were trying to drop five guys back into the middle of the ice all over the place. There was no pressure or not enough pressure at that point, which tells me once again, BK, they're on their heels. They're playing back, trying to protect the net, trying to protect Jake Allen at that point. And this is why at the start of the series, I said, it's just weird how they play different in front of Jake. And the reason we say that is because they play on their heels much like they did during that 10 to 12 minute span in the middle of the second period. Whereas when they have Jordan Bennington in that, it's all out aggressive, aggressive, aggressive. So to me, I think that that was the big difference maker. Overall, guys, I am not worried yet at all. No, I'm not either. And Joey and I said this last night at the end of postgame. I'm I still firmly believe that the Blues will win this series. And I said last night also, the Blues backs are against the wall now, but that's not where Vancouver wants to put the Blues. And Schwartz said it after the game. This is a resilient group. We have to channel our last season of how our mindsets were because look they went down 3-2 in the series to the Dallas Stars they lost going into Dallas for game number six and they battled their way through it to come home for game seven which was that double overtime they can get to this point where they can go out there and play the resilient style of hockey there's no timing issues they're not fatigued they know how to get to that game the problem for me was you just got out goaltended. That, that was it. Markstrom made those three consecutive saves on De La Rose, Perron, Thomas that could have turned that into a 6-1 game. Let's listen to what Craig Berube had to say about that because last night he was asked about the goaltending overall in the game, not just by the Blues, but also by the Canucks. And here's what he had to say. You know, uh, Markstrom outcompeted us on some plays. I thought we had goals and, you know, he was out, down and out, but we didn't elevate it and we didn't put it in. You know, those those saves rally a team they they give them confidence and they demoralize you know our team you know we got to bear down on them we got to put them in 
One team got those saves last night. The other team didn't. And sometimes this stuff can be simple. There's a lot more that we can dive into, and we will over the next 24 hours. But really, it came down to that. Markstrom made the saves when they needed to be made. Jake Allen did not make the saves when they needed to be made. And Jamie, Ferrario, that brings us to our next question. Is it time to go back to Jordan Bennington? And I think we all have the same answer here. I will get us started. Yes. Uh, yeah, you have to. Okay. And the reason you go back to Jordan Bennington is not because Jake Allen hasn't been good, hasn't put up some wins for you. Heck, he stepped in in a very, very difficult time when you're down 2 nothing in a series to a really good team. That sucks. That's a bad setup for a goalie. Comes back, he wins two games. A little unlucky last night. Markstrom comes up with those wacky kind of saves. That's what has made Jordan Bennington the first goalie for the St. Louis Blues to ever win the Stanley Cup here in St. Louis. That's why he did that last year is those saves that you saw from Markstrom. You got those from Jordan Bennington. And you're like, he's out. That's it. We're done. It's over. Oh, he saved it. Right? I'm not wrong. You know that. And so that's what you need now. And that's how teams win Stanley Cups is but with goalies who aren't lights out every single minute of every single game. It's the guys like Grant Fuhrer, how many cups he's got. He made the saves he needed to make to help his team win the game. Yeah. And I think that's why you're going to see Jordan Bennington come in here for game six, and I think you're going to see a big momentum swing. You got to make the save your goaltender that nobody expected you to make. And last night, that save would have been one of those two Tyler Mott breakaways. Allen makes one of those saves, and I think you're talking about a completely different game because that that's the momentum shifting back to the Blues. I watched that Canucks bench when Markstrom made that final save on Robert Thomas. JT Miller skated over to that bench and was barking at his team. The team had life. You need that save. I can make a case for both sides of going back to Allen or sticking with Bennington, but the obvious decision is Bennington because you need your goaltender to come in and steal you two hockey games. And the only one of those two that can do that. And look, Jake Allen's got great numbers in the playoffs. He won you a series against Minnesota a few years ago, but we're going off of track records recently. And the only guy that can do that is Jordan Bennington. Jordan Bennington's their guy. Yeah. He like is. At the end of the day, the blues are, they have their backs against the wall. You said this a little bit ago, Ferrario, and it's true. We saw this a year ago in that Dallas series. They go down three to two. They end up winning it on their way to the Stanley Cup. We all know the story from there. Jordan Bennington is your guy. If you believe in him, he's the one that you want in net whenever you're getting him down in the foxhole and somebody's got to be there to have your back. Jordan Bennington's the one that you've got to have in that net in game six. I don't think there's even a real question here. If I'm if I'm Craig Bruby, and obviously I'm not, but I look at my team and I say to myself, who is the guy that is going to take us through when the when the times get the toughest? And the, t- the guy for the Blues is, will be, has been Jordan Bennington. And Bennington's a competitive guy, man. Oh, if God. you don't think he's been sitting on those benches the last two games, just just reeling in those two bad games, thinking, I need that net, you're, you're, you're crazy because he is. He's the guy with the chip on his shoulder for yep. being played in the minors for five straight years, for being an afterthought, to being loaned to another franchise to go develop somewhere else. To because, basically tell the Blues, screw off, I'm not going to the ECHL. Yeah, and so this is the guy now that uh, he's a great teammate, and Jake Allen did a great job, and there's no... No ill will between the two goalies, I can tell you that. But Jordan Bennington is waking up this morning, and if he's not himself walking into Craig Berube's office and demanding the net, I will be shocked. 
We know that's what's coming. We know it. And it's what should be coming. And if they lose in game six and he's part of the reason why, well, you live with that. But if you lose in game six and Jake Allen is the reason why, you're going to be second guessing that decision every day between now and the start of next season. That's a great point, BK. If you lose with Jordan Bennington, you're you're ultimately there going, you know what? We went with the guy who won us the cup. We went with the guy who's our number one. We went with the guy that we're paying number one money to. If you lose with Jake Allen, that's a really good point by you. If you lose with Jake Allen, people are going to be like, this is the guy you're wanting to trade. Why would you go with him? Why would you put your your playoff lives on the line? So, yeah, although that won't ultimately be the the decider, it has to be in the back of their heads. If you're going to lose, lose with the guy that got you the cup before. You have to because, look, if you lose with Jake Allen, you sit there and you say, okay, now we got two goaltenders that struggled in the postseason. What are we doing next year? You go back to Bennington, and even if Bennington loses the series in Game 7 but plays outstanding, you're back to the point where you say, we're fine. This was just an anomaly. This was a tough year. We're good. This is our guy. The playoffs are tough, man. Like This is we, such a weird setting, too. Of all people, we here in St. Louis, the listeners here in St. Louis, Blues fans know this thing is a crapshoot. The fact that the Blues got it last year takes a monkey off of their back, and now they have that experience to lean back on. But this is tough. There's a reason why it is the hardest trophy in sports to win. And right now, the Blues are dealing with unprecedented circumstances. They just lost Vladimir Tarasenko for the rest of this playoff run. They've been without Alex Dean for the majority of this series. They're up in Edmonton, where none of them want to be. This is not ideal circumstances. There is no home ice advantage. The away team in every game of this series has won that game in this series so far. So, yeah, it's tough, but at the end of the day, the Blues are going to go back to their number one goalie because that's what they have to do. That's what they should do. And I believe that's what they will do. You'll hear that game right here on 101 ESPN tomorrow night. Pre-game at 730. I know Alex Ferrario is thrilled about that. Yes, thank you, NHL, for giving me 45 extra <laughs> minutes of my night back. Puck drop at 830 tomorrow night. Again, it's all right here on your home for the Blues 101 ESPN. With Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kiley. It's 1113. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers and official licensed Rolex jeweler. I don't think there's ever been anybody in the history of sports talk radio that has been more wrong about anything than I have been about the Cardinals over the last 24 hours. These guys put together a compilation. I have not yet heard this. We'll get to all listen to that together coming up next on 101 ESPN. We're back to the ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario. I'm Brandon Kiley. Guys, uh, sometimes you're wrong about things. Sometimes you're right about things. Sometimes you expect things. Is this the start of a country song? It should be. <laughs> I, uh, I've been wrong about a few things here lately. No, not you. Just a couple. Just a couple. Jeez. With Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kiley. It's Ribs and BK on 101 ESPN. So Tommy Edmond, Matt Carpenter, and Brad Miller. I've been hard on those three. Very, I've, I've been a Don't tough... forget uh, Paul Goldschmidt. Yeah, but that's a little different. And Austin he, D. He's not included in this particular... 
Uh, you say Austin Dean? No, I didn't. Who said Austin that? Dean hasn't even been playing. He's Whoa. not included. I don't in know this why either. he's not included. You, you should dog Don yeah. Goldschmidt. Oh, exit exit velocity up the bat. Expectancy it's not good. at yeah, yeah. bat. Right, hard hit rate. How Sorry. Dexter Fowler looked yesterday, boys? Uh, he got a hit. He did. That's true. <laughs> so Tommy Edmund, Matt Carpenter, and Brad Miller yesterday compi- combined to go eight for sixteen with two doubles, a home run, and oh, you know, just nine RBI. This all happened as I have been saying for about a month or so, Brad Miller has no place in the Cardinals lineup. I said yesterday on the air prior to the game, it might be time to think about moving Tommy Edmond down in the lineup. I questioned as we saw the lineup, why is Matt Carpenter batting cleanup today? And then he goes out and in the first inning, as the first three men get on base, hits the Cardinals first grand slam of the year. So yeah, I've been wrong a little bit. These guys put together a montage of everything that I have been wrong about that was proven wrong over the last 24 hours. I have not yet heard this. Let's go ahead and give this a listen together. I think that the Cardinals here pretty soon are going to have to start considering, do we move Tommy Edmond down in the lineup? And Tommy, a single into right. Wong being held up. He runs through the side. The play at the plate. He is saved. I'm surprised Matt Carpenter is batting cleanup today. I'm not totally sure I understand that one. Driven out to deep center. How about the first time this year? Let's say it. Great Salama. Been okay with bases loaded lately, but <laughs> otherwise, I, I just don't I don't totally understand that move. So Tyler O'Neill's been better this year. Matt Carpenter, <laughs> you can see it coming. Grand slam at Wrigley. Why do you hate Brad Miller, BK? He's a perfectly adequate bench bat. He's, He's had a good one guy. good year in his major league career. Hit the other way. Base hit. Carlson will score. Bat. The game is tied at two. Miller again. And really, he had a few good months. That's pretty much it for his career. John Mazalek said he could be the Ben Zobrist to this Cardinals team. That's ridiculous. He comes through at Wrigley, and we're tied to two. You are one pathetic loser. Oh my gosh, BK. Okay. It's been a good 24 hours for you, boy, Jamie. When I called you Marty Mush yesterday, it was playful. Today, I actually believe it. BK, today would have been one of those days to say, you know what? I'm a full time employee, I have vacation days banked. Maybe I should take a couple. Oh. Maybe I should take a couple of days off. Yeah, I commend you for walking in here today <laughs> and and subjecting yourself to this. What's incredible is I had I I remembered your takes, yeah. but I had forgotten certain words you choose in order to like really enforce your takes. Like when I said Brad Miller bun bends over. That's insane. That's, That's crazy. crazy. That's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> Have you guys seen Brad Miller's numbers? Oh, it's incredible. He had a couple of good months, guys. Yeah, and Matt Carpenter. Yeah, I mean, he's okay with the bases loaded. Can we please <laughs> batting 500? I mean, wasn't wrong there. Was not wrong there. No, but he said he's okay. Isn't he's it, batting 500. Isn't he's it literally t- the best player in the history of baseball with the bases loaded. Isn't yes. it time to move Edmund down in the lineup? <laughs> like, come on. <laughs> Brad Miller. Has as many doubles and homers this year, more doubles and homers this year than he has singles. And he's batting 438. He's been on base more than 50% of his of the time. His OPS this year, Jamie Ferrario, 
is fifteen hundred. <laughs> that is your favorite baseball player, Jamie Fernando Tatis Jr. Yeah. That's Fernando Tatis Jr. numbers. Oh my gosh. The, <laughs> the, I guess the uh, here's what I guess we have to do in the future is continue with your your bad takes, but they have to. I think they have to be honest bad takes. Yeah. Like, oh no, no, I believe everything, every single word that I said of that. Oh, trust me, and our <laughs> listeners, I'm sure they know the show. Hopefully by now that you said all of those takes like with conviction <laughs> and like with material to support it, and you were like intense in it, and then just absolutely got fed. Just, just wrong. Just like wrong. not only wrong, but loud wrong like the the way where you're telling other people no that's stupid that's that's what i was doing i was up on i was up on my mountaintop shouting into the wilderness no you guys are wrong and i am right and then it just got shoved back in my face with brad miller hitting the ball 115 miles an hour off of his do you know back. what i haven't heard yet i haven't heard you say i'm sorry alex you were right it's true i haven't heard that either i gotta say I think Alex was right. I still haven't heard it. Alex, you were right, buddy. There's words before it that we need to hear. I'm sorry, Alex. There it is. What does high score mean? New high score. Is that bad? (laughs) What does that mean? Does that break it? (laughs) 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line to get involved in the show. From the 636, BK, please say that Harrison Bader has no chance of becoming a good hitter. <laughs> please stop talking so much about Dylan Carlson being amazing, BK. You're ruining it for us all. From the 314, BK, maybe it's time for you to pull a George Costanza in. Whatever you think about saying, just go ahead and go with the opposite. <laughs> From the 314, BK could be responsible for the Cardinals' success. He's jinxing everything's b- everything backwards. Oh, my goodness. Chris, so, Convo need- Chris, we can't forget him. Uh, yeah, I got no comment. <laughs> so here, here's the question that I need a ruling on from you guys, and we'll get into I need a ruling coming up here in a little bit. Do I need to pick the Canucks? Like, oh, wh- wow. what, are we, what, are we, what are we doing here? Because I believe in my heart of hearts that the Blues are going to win this series in seven games. Yeah, so then it doesn't work. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. So it has to be an honest take. It has to be honest, something you're passionate about. Like, we know you were passionate about all those awful takes that you had. You were, like, dug in. So you can't fake. You can't fake the the sports gods. You can't fake them. They'll know? They'll know. Okay. They'll know. So, no, you can't do that. I'm trying to think about a take that maybe I believe at least a little bit. That I could, I could maybe, I could maybe dive into and stake my claim on that, and hopefully for the betterment of the Cardinals fans or the Blues fans, that will come true. Maybe it is. I, I don't believe Harrison Bader is going to be a regular moving forward. I, I don't think Problem he can. Is, no, everybody else feels the same way. <laughs> I know, but <laughs> I'm going to make this happen. I am single-handedly going to make Harrison Bader into oh a great gosh. major league player. Okay, now you're talking insane. Now, now that's the silliness. Uh, now I you've mean, gotten into my seltzers. Did, yeah. did you hear what we just went into? Yeah, but I feel like Matt this Carpenter's is faking been, it. What? I feel like it's a little bit of a fake to go to Harrison Bader because... You uh, you already know like everybody believes that your takes you're the salmon swimming up river with your takes okay and so saying that Harrison Bader is going to struggle is at the plate I think a lot of people agree that Matt Carpenter is struggling at the plate I said it out loud yeah. and said that he shouldn't be the guy that is hitting cleanup for the Cardinals yeah, which apparently I think he can't was hit a fair cleanup. take 
Did you know his stats going into the game as a cleanup hitter? It, it's not as a cleanup like, no, hitter. Right. As it's with the bases with loaded. the bases loaded. Uh, yes, I was aware of that, and uh, I just I didn't assume that the Cardinals, <laughs> who have been struggling at the plate recently, I didn't assume that the first three guys were going to get on base, and he was going to have the bases loaded in his first at bat. And he worked the count. He got to full count on that thing, and then that guy threw a watermelon down the middle, and he took it yard. Six five seven eight zero is our comfort service sex line from the six three six. BK, please just say that you know how to change a tire. <laughs> I don't believe that. We've talked about this. <laughs> hey, Mush, who do you like tonight? I feel like gambling. <laughs> That's I'm going to get on the FanDuel Fantasy app tonight. Oh, and I'm for sure going to go ahead and send out my lineup. Just fade everybody that I have in my lineup, and you will take home thousands in real cash prizes. I was going to say, Kate, is there any way you can make your picks public? Because I have a feeling that FanDuel Fantasy app will get a lot of action tonight if they know your place in bets. Um, and, and all serious. And I don't know if Cardinals fans want to hear me say this or not right now. Cardinals did exactly what they needed to do on the road. They were successful in this road trip. Four and four, eight game road trip to Chicago. They come back home and they have every opportunity to actually be in contention, despite the fact that it's been toothpicks and bubblegum that have held together this lineup and this pitching staff. They seem like they're probably going to get Yachty back this weekend. Paul DeYoung might be coming back sooner rather than later. Carlos Martinez isn't that far away. The reinforcements are coming, and the deadline is now like 10 days away. So let's talk about this a little bit. We don't have to get into it right now, but it is a topic that we should get into at some point. When these healthy bodies come back, like where where do the chips fall here? Because our boy Millsy... Like, you can't take this guy in a lineup. Well, he's got to play. He's got to play. No, I don't care where you play him. He's got to play. <laughs> the problem is I've jinxed so many players. <laughs> we need a lot of guys in the lineup right now. <laughs> With Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kiley. Last text on this from the 636. BK is the meteorologist of sports <laughs> radio. I always loved weather, and now I'm actually doing it with sports. <laughs> If then it's a game that I think Jamie understands, oh, no. we'll get into it coming up next on 101 ESPN. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. Service tax line from the 618. BK, take it or leave it. You're the guy that complains that it's too sunny outside. I've heard him say it. You're right. You actually said earlier, like, boy, the sun's coming in too much here. I wish it was raining out. Says it's too nice out and it's not humid enough. Yeah, I don't like to run when it's this hot out. I'd rather (laughs) run when it's raining. First of all, you guys are the worst. Second of all, different game. We're playing if then here. That's take it or leave it. Different game, different show. Let's Uh play a game of if then. Very simple. Start a statement with an if, finish the statement with a then we move forward with life all right we'll try it let's start with this one jamie we'll try I think it. you'll understand this one if jamie as he goes down tomorrow to columbia needs help putting together his daughter's apartment then he should call anybody but bk no <laughs> no 
It's the wrong answer. It's the wrong answer? Am I supposed to call you? Yes. No. We all know that when no. you have a handyman job, <laughs> BK is the person that you call. You know why? Why? I've always got a guy. I was going to say, you have somebody's <laughs> number. That's the only reason. I've always Down in got Columbia. a guy. Yeah. No, no, no. Um, I, hopefully, I won't need help, and uh, it, it, I would like you around to... I don't know, give me a couple of bad takes while I'm doing the work, but uh, yeah, no, I'm sorry. You're not my phone a friend for handyman work. The only time you're called BK when there's handyman work is when, you know, the person doesn't want to do that handyman work, but the wife keeps asking, so he keeps doing it bad. Ooh. You know, like in laundry, like, hey, go do the laundry. Wow. No, I suck at the laundry. That's kind of a like shot. A personal it was shot. a shot, right? Yeah. Personal but attack. We were actually having fun. You got serious oh. there. Oh, were we? Not, that wasn't fun? Wow. Okay. Oosh, awkward. I'll, uh,. I'll see myself. So go ahead and finish that statement. No, no, continue uh, no. there. No, I'm going to see myself. see where this goes. I'm going to see myself out. No, by all means, please. No, I'm going to see myself. No, you BK. know, I've been self-deprecating BK. for the last 15 minutes. You just felt like you could take advantage BK, of it. BK, you. I don't appreciate it. He opened the door and he moved the family in. BK, you <laughs> are one of the best handyman in this building. I he was going with one pathetic loser here. Ooh. I thought he was just going to say it this time around as opposed to play no, the drop. that's too cruel. I stayed. I used the drop because I didn't say it. Why stop now, Alex? No, I'd, hey, I, you could change a flat tire if you wanted not true. See, this is now you're being really, really disingenuous. I hey, I told no, you I lying. wanted to see myself out here and nobody would let me. Well, kind of dug this hole on your own, son. Sometimes you dig them. <laughs> 65780 there. Comfort service text line for if then. Jamie, if the Blues go back to Jordan Bennington in game six, then they win in seven, baby. Bottom line, I really believe it. I, I saw a lapse last night just in the middle. I don't think you see that again, and I don't think you see any more soft goals against the Blues. So, yeah, Bennington in seven. He pitches a shutout in game six. Ooh. Yep. Is he a baseball uh, player? <laughs> you Harrison Bader? Wow. <laughs> pitches Austin a shutout, Dean? goes over. At the plate. Jed Jerko. Was that? That wasn't good either? No. Why you really got to bring Jed Jerko into this? Because he pitched one time. I he saw did. it with my own eyes. <laughs> he did pitch one time. I did. It did happen. Not I'll, with anybody else's either. I'll, I'm going to stick by that, though. If if Bennington gets the call, it's going to be a shutout in game six because he's going to go out there and he's going to stifle this Vancouver team. I like that call. I really do. Because mm. Bennington. Well, I like it, too. <laughs> You just don't know if it's going to happen. I don't know, but I like it. Actually, you know what? I'm going to stop my statement. Yeah. Given what we've done over the you last 15 minutes, you shut your mouth. I'm going to stop it right there, and I'm doing this for you, Blues fans. I want you to know I've got your back. I was about to say something. Not going to. Not going to do it. You will not pull me into this, this horrible, tortured life that I'm trying to carve out for myself. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line. I love this one from the 636. If BK says there's no end in sight to COVID, there will be a cure the following day. <laughs> Say it right now, BK. Please. No, he's got to believe it, though. Uh, yeah, that's there's, true. There seems to be no end in sight with COVID. Uh. We'll see what happens there. If, Jamie, college football decides to grant an extra year of eligibility to every single player, then blank. Now, let me give a little bit of background on this one for any of our listeners that maybe haven't seen the news over the last day or so. College football yesterday made a really big decision. They're going to give, or they're at least planning to vote on giving a year of eligibility, an extra year, to every single player in college football, whether they play this fall or not. So Big Ten players that maybe will or maybe won't play in the spring, they get this extra year of eligibility. SEC players that potentially are going to play a full season this fall, 
they will get the extra year of eligibility as well. So this is a blanket statement for every player in college football, freshmen through seniors. They will get one extra year of eligibility. If they grant that, Jamie, then blank. Uh, if they grant extra year of eligibility, then I don't think we'll see any college football this year. I think that at that point, they'll be like, you know what? We feel like we've done our part. We're giving these guys an extra year. And we're going to tuck college football over here. SEC might say, go screw yourself. But overall, I think that we won't see it because they they will have felt like they fulfilled their obligations to those student athletes. Yeah, that's where I'm at, too. I, I think the NCAA is going to look at that and say, we did what we needed to do. Let's move forward with this. I actually disagree. Oh, Chuck. Here's my take on this. Oh, no yes. Hang on, let me place it back. Extra year of eligibility. Anybody want in on the action? <laughs> Six five seven eight zero. Oh. Let me go back up to my mountaintop where I'm going to shout into the wilderness. All right. If they grant an extra year of eligibility to every single player, then college football has a massive issue on its hands. What are you going to do? So you're telling me that you've got two of your five power conferences that aren't playing this fall. Your three power five conferences that are playing are going to have either no or limited fans in the stands. You're already losing out on millions, if not billions of dollars this fall. And now you're going to grant an extra year of eligibility where you have to pay for all of these scholarships for an extra year. That's the plan. Listen, I'm all in favor of these players getting everything that they are worth. However, in this current climate, in this situation, this feels like a bold strategy by the NCAA. I wonder what this is going to mean logistically for teams. Is this going to have an unintended consequence for other sports where they're now losing extra money on these scholarships and they have to pull other sports out of there? Are they going to have an increased limit on scholarships for football? Because if you've got like Mizzou, I think they have 23 seniors this year. If 20 of them decide to come back next year. Well, what are you going to do with the freshman class? You were expecting those seniors to leave. Do you now have a year where you can figure things out? And then what does that do for the following year? Because those juniors now that are becoming upcoming seniors, they can come back for another year afterwards as well. There are some unintended consequences that I'm not sure they've thought about. If they decide to grant this extra year of eligibility, college football has a serious problem on its hands. So what you're talking about kind of is like the butterfly effect, right? Mm -hmm. Like if one thing happens, all these other things will happen following that. And I don't think you're that wrong, to be honest. Um, look, to me, it's a little bit of an indication, maybe, on how much money the NCAA does have when they cry poor and all oh, this and that, and certain conferences make money, certain don't. If they're willing to add an extra year for all these scholarship athletes, guess what? They must have a couple of pennies in the bank to even think about this possibility. Now, second to your point about uh, how what issues this will cause with number of scholarships, I think they just do a carryover for the one year. You have that one year year special you know year where you can carry an extra 20 22 scholarships i could get behind this for the seniors that's what they did for the spring sports remember should, where man. they granted the extra that. year they should do this like imagine being a kid going to your senior year it's the last year that you'll play sports or you're looking to turn pro in something or if it's an amateur sport you're looking to get ready for the olympics or whatever it is right and you just told now nah, you can't do it I'm totally in favor of that. Give a one-year grace period where, hey, if you were a senior and your senior year got messed up because of all of this, I'm totally for it. Let them come back for another year. Just have those scholarships not count against the restrictions. Those are just kind of above board. Yep. And you you go back to normal the following season. I'm all in favor of that. I, I'm down with that. 
problem is when you start getting into the logistical nightmares of your freshmen that are currently on campus, they're granted an extra year. So you've got five, basically six with their uh, redshirt season that you're counting on now of their, their, their years at Mizzou mm-hmm. or wherever your favorite university is. That's where you get into some trouble. That's where you've got some issues that I don't know that college football has totally thought about. With Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kylie. It's Ribs and BK on 101 ESPN. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line. Let's get some questions and answers coming up next on 101 ESPN. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line from the 618. Guys, are we going to see the Cardinals make a move at the deadline? If you look now, Colorado is falling. Did you see the Cardinals inquiring about Nolan Arenado? Jamie, I don't know if you've been paying attention to what's going on with the Rockies of late. They've lost eight of their last 10 games. They were at one point 11 and three. They are now 13 and 11. They are now in second place in their division. They are essentially in free fall. They are tied with the Padres in their division, just a half game up on the Diamondbacks. Things were at one point looking way up for the Rockies. Now starting to get a little bit of a slide. Do you think the Cardinals could potentially inquire about Arenado if this slide continues for the Rockies? Okay, first off, BK, yeah, I've been paying attention. All right. I would I have expect baseball nothing less. running through my veins on a daily basis. All right. I'm starting to figure things out. All these advanced analytics. I expect hits from guys and it happens. And so, yeah, I know what's going on around here. And uh, unfortunately, yeah, I don't see the Cardinals making that deal. I don't know. With everything as crazy as it is this year, and they're not even a full team, and they don't know what they have. And now guys like Brad Miller are popping up. Uh, you know, I don't know. I just don't see it happening. I don't either. Not midseason. I could see it in the offseason of teams wanting to shed some salary. And if the Rockies miss the postseason, which I mean, that's got to be that's going to have to be a serious tank if you miss the postseason with the expanded roster. But I could see someone somebody wanting to deal away some salary in the offseason. But with the trade deadline, with everything that has happened with COVID and the Cardinals, I just don't see them making some type of financial move like that. I don't even think this is limited to the Cardinals. I don't know how many massive deals we're going to see at the deadline. I think it's going to be yeah. more quiet than what we typically see. Well, we're going to see Mike Trout traded now because of BK's statement there. Well, I'll tell you one trade I'd like to see <laughs> from the 573. How about Bader for Joe Kelly? Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Joe can live with me, too. I don't Joe care. Joe can live with me. He can me. live with me, and we're going to party together. Sorry. They're back in the news, by the way. Joe Kelly is in a roundabout way. We'll I get know. to that in a little while because I know he's your boy. Oh, is he ever? And I didn't then, mean to steal your thought, though, on that. Sorry. Free agent, BK. No, 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 no worries. Or the trade. I I think we're going to see fewer big trades than in a typical year because of what is going on with COVID. I just I, I think the uncertainty of it all and frankly, a, a run like what we're seeing with the with the Rockies. They start off so hot. They come back to the pack a little bit. There are very few teams that are truly out of it right now. They're like, we are we are absolutely going to be sellers at the deadline. I mean, in the National League, it's basically just the Pirates and the Giants right now. They're like, we have no chance of making the postseason. So if you're one of these other teams, why are you selling at the deadline? You've got an opportunity to make the playoffs. Go ahead and take your run at it. And then in the offseason, maybe get more into some of those bigger deals. I do find this one to be interesting, though, Jamie. From the 314. 
I know the Cardinals are loaded with arms, but could you see any chance that Lance Lynn becomes a uh, Cardinal again if the Rangers start to slide? The Rangers are 10 and 13 on the season right now. They're not a great team by any means. But Lance Lynn looks awesome so far this year. Yeah. Um, how old is Lance Lynn now? He's up there. He's, He's getting up there. And what do you need? Like what? Like what? Yeah. Okay. So to your point, what's your motive behind yeah. it, right? Like, oh, we're gonna make a big push. Like, and you're on. so deep at the pitching staff in terms of starters of having these guys that you're not sure what to do with. And when all of them come back from this injury list of like a Austin Gomber and you got these guys in the minors, you just you got a lot of people right now and you don't you got a lot of people to feed and not enough food. I think you made your decision on this guy before. Right. Yeah. And although as much as I would love to just see his postgame interviews yeah. and just laugh my butt off at them, uh, I don't see that happening. I think the only reason why I'm not in favor of it, because if he was on a one-year deal, this was the end of his contract, I'd probably be here for it. As much as I like the Cardinals' arms, they've got a lot more arms that are two, three, four innings than they do guys that I have confidence are going to give you six on any given night. Lynn gives you that. He can be an innings eater for the Cardinals, but he's got one more year on his deal next year for nine and a half million dollars. I just can't see them making it for that reason. That actually is not a horrible price tag. No, it's a good one. It's a good price tag, but I just don't see them bringing back an aging pitcher for that price tag. You're going to do that. You're doing it for Adam Wainwright. I was just going to say, if you're going to pay an aging pitcher, bring back Wainwright, who has shown you that he can go out there and give you innings and win you games. Yeah, I agree. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line for questions and answers. Guys, what do the Cardinals see in Andrew Miller? Because he's erratic to me, and it seems like the only thing he's been doing of late is walking batters. Andrew Miller's struggling a little bit, and last night, whenever he came into the game, I don't know how you guys felt about it, but the moment that you see certain relievers come into the game, you get a feeling in the pit of your stomach, right? It's either a pit of, okay, Cardinals are good here. We got this. Or, as is the case for me, when Andrew Miller comes in the game, it's like, all right, hold on, boys. Hold on to the seat. Let's see where this is going here. I just don't have confidence when he's coming into the game right now. Yeah, look, I agree. And I I don't know enough overall about Andrew Miller. I know the basics. And I'm not going to claim to be a pitching expert. I'll leave that to the guys who know what they're talking about. And specifically, I'll leave that to BT to Mm -hmm. answer that on the fast lane. But now... Well, here's how I feel when I watch Andrew Miller. And you guys know I'm all about the body language and and things like that. And for whatever reason, I just look at him and I'm like, this guy's not even trying. And I know that's not the case. But when I watch pitchers who get up there, he has a minimal windup. And I understand most of the time he's operating from the stretch. He's in a situation where he's, you know, he's got somebody on base. Whatever the case, it just looks like he's playing catch like with his son. You know, he, his windup is minimal. I feel like he's throwing water balloons out there, and that scares me because when he's not on his mark, then bad things happen. Look, the Cardinals made a decision on Andrew Miller by paying him that money after they knew this was a guy that was worn down. I mean, look, at the end of the day, the Cleveland Indians destroyed Andrew Miller for how much they used that guy in the postseason in terms of going out back-to-back days and pitching five, six innings, it felt like. You knew what you were getting in Andrew Miller. I don't think anybody really expected to see a Boston Red Sox, Cleveland Indians, Andrew Miller, but he does look uncomfortable on the mound, and I don't know if it's something that's a nagging injury and he's just trying to push through because of everything that's happened but he just doesn't look like the same guy. Well, one thing in particular to watch is the velocity. 
When the Cardinals signed Andrew Miller, his fastball was about 95 miles an hour, 94, 95. Now it's down to 90. See, so I'm not crazy. And it last wow. year, it like last year was around 92. So it's even dropped since then. It's dropped five miles an hour over the last two seasons. That's significant, man. That's a really big deal. And when you have a pitch that you just you can't throw because it is it, it's commanding exactly zero expe- uh, respect from your opponent, that's a problem. All he has right now is his slider. And now you're getting into bad counts. You get into bad situations. You throw that fastball over the middle instead of going 95. It's 90. That's getting smashed. And the Cardinals are in a bad spot. So he just he doesn't have confidence in some of his pitches right now. And that's part of the reason why the velocity isn't there the way that it once was. We'll get to Joey Vitale here in just a moment. But I've got one more question for Jamie. I don't know if you saw the news yesterday, but Roy Jones Jr. was talking in the media you missed it it's talking about an exhibition boxing event with mike tyson they're both trying to make a little bit of cash off of this he's threatening to back off because the fight was delayed it's now in i believe november it was supposed to be in september and he's also saying that maybe he needs a little bit more more cash out of this thing than he was expecting to get (laughs) surprise surprise yeah what'd you make of this jamie well look this is this is a negotiation tactic and it's really common when you have a new fight promotion that's coming on board because they've never actually put on an event before and when that happens there's things that they forget to do they forget to dot the i's and cross the T's in certain places and this is one of the reasons they had to bump it back a little bit was because the venue that they had chose they didn't solidify it properly and the finances weren't driven accordingly to that place and so look Mike Tyson and his group are learning on the fly here how to put on a fight promotion and Roy Jones Jr. is just trying to squeeze the sponge a little bit more but uh, I, I did hear him talk last night and say the fight is definitely on we are still working on some of the details which means hey I want a little bit more money here for getting the side of my face caved in by Mike Tyson. Mayweather did this with McGregor. Mayweather backed out and said, I'm not doing this because McGregor's television deal was with, I think it was HBO and Mayweather was Showtime and he's saying, I'm not getting my money and I'm not fighting. It's a tactic. That's what these guys do. These guys try and get more publicity for more money for their TV deals. It's exactly what these two are doing. Do you see Oscar De La Hoya is now planning a comeback as well? See that guy? He's in great shape. Yeah, I mean, he's been a promoter for so many guys for so long. He couldn't solve Manny Pacquiao, and that was his biggest downfall. But now he's watching these guys come back, and Oscar De La Hoya still trains a lot. And I think that... I think it would be interesting. I do. Now, it's not as in seven t- years old. The last time he actually fought was 2008. Got Mike face. Tyson's 53, and we're excited. Got his face caved in by Mayweather, though. He did. Well, I don't know if it was caved in. Mayweather doesn't throw that hard. <laughs> yeah, but that's true. He did get tapped a few times there. I just, I'm not interested in watching Oscar De La Hoya. It's only because you don't point. like Oscar De La Hoya as a person. Now, no, Oscar, I liked De La- Oscar De La Hoya as a boxer. I don't need to see him at 47. I, now, De La Hoya is going to be a champion. His personality rubs a lot of people the wrong way. And I'm no different. I don't really like him. He's not, you'll find this surprising. He's not somebody I'd like to go have beers with. I, that is maybe the first time you've ever said that. Yeah. So that's where Oscar De La Hoya ranks to me as like just. A person. I don't need to see all these guys come back. I really don't. Um, well, you do. I, Look at the boxing rate. This is the problem, right? Okay, and I won't go forever on this, but boxing has taken a nosedive in the last handful of years, and the UFC has flourished. Bellator has flourished. Bare-knuckle fighting is flourishing. It's crazy, right? Yeah. Why? Because boxing has no superstars anymore. Gone are the Holyfield, the Tyson, the Mayweather, the De La Hoya, the Pacquiao. Like, 
there's nobody filling those shoes anymore. So, yeah, I'm sure there's a couple of young guys in the text line. I'll find some obscure guy that's like undefeated right now. <laughs> but the big Showtime guys are the not there anymore. The superstars are in the UFC now. That's right. And so now boxing's looking back to going, hey, by the way, hey, Tyson, hey, De La Hoya, you guys feel like, uh, oh, hey, Jones Jr., right? Yeah, come on. That's why they're doing it. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line to get involved in the show. But coming up next. <laughs> this is just going to gloss over it. He is. What? 618. Uh, or six, well, yeah, yeah, from the 618. That coming from an alcoholic means a lot. <laughs> Thank you very little. <laughs> Joey Vitale is our favorite blues analyst in the country. He's going to join us coming up next. We got to celebrate his birthday with him as well. Joey Vitale is coming up next on 101 ESPN. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. With Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kylie. It's Ribs and BK on 101 ESPN. I hesitated to do this after him calling me drunk on air the other day. <laughs> but let's wrong. go out to the Brown and Crouppen celebrity line. Happy to be joined by the Blues analyst for 101 ESPN. He is Joey Vitale, and he is birthday boy Joey Vitale today. <laughs> Joey, how you doing today, man? Happy birthday. Well, hey, you know what? That's a hell of an intro there, BK. And what do you mean you hesitated to do this? This is the highlight of your week talking to me. (laughs) Joey, the other day, you literally came into our studio after texting Jamie Rivers saying, is BK drunk? (laughs) And then told me how dumb I was on the air. I did not use the word dumb. I, 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 I Listen, when you're married, and you're married for as long as, you know, Riz and I have been married, you choose your words very carefully. <laughs> I did not say dumb. You, you may feel dumb by what I said, but I didn't call you dumb. Uh, all, all I know is I'm looking at a Cardinals batter that I think went two for four one night in a home run, a jack, and apparently he's not hitting it hard enough, and I was just confused. I, I'm, I'm literally – I'm, so I'm trying to figure out this baseball game, and just when I thought I had an edge, hey, I'm starting to learn a little bit more about baseball and the analytics. Apparently, I just went right down the drain. <laughs> yeah, okay, so Joey, what we've confirmed here today and uh, at the top of the show, we had a, a compilation of all of BK's bad takes, and literally everything he said the other day, everything he said was opposite. He's, he is the not exaggerating. All of it, sports all radio. Of it was wrong. So don't feel bad for you texting me saying, is BK drunk? I can't confirm or deny it, but I'd probably be leaning towards the fact that maybe he had a few of them. He probably had a couple of those seltzers uh, that, that BK and I've been loving so much. Ribs, have you ever tried any of those yet? Have you, have you, have you taken the plunge? I have. I uh, My daughter had a couple out the other day before she left, and I said to her, I go, you know what? I've been telling the guys I'm going to try one of these, and a black cherry was suggested to me. So I grabbed it, opened it up, took a sip. Yeah, I'm never going to do that again. <laughs> It's just not for me, Joey. Like, I feel like it's got this aspartame kind of taste to it. I don't know. When I'm drinking something that I want to get a buzz on with, I just don't feel like it's the seltzer, the taste that I'm looking for. Joey, I tried something new the other night, by the way. The Canteen Black Cherry Vodka Sodas. I got to be honest, pretty good. Pretty good. Whoa, whoa. I have not gone. I have not taken that that plunge yet. BK, but I like I like where your head's at. I'm gonna, I'm gonna give it a little whirl. I think I think anything you can add vodka in at this point in the pandemic, I'm I'm all for. They have these uh, high noon seltzers. I don't know if you guys have heard of these quite yet. Yeah, I have. I heard of them. 
Okay, so they're all out everywhere. So they're they're made with real juice and like high quality vodka. So they don't have as much of a seltzer bubble kind of acid. Okay, now you're talking. So I was playing pickleball with a couple of the boys. You know Kramer, Kyle Kramer the other day, Rib Dog. Cosmo, uh, Kyle, yes. Yeah, Crazy, Crazy K. Yeah. Him, Chris Aracino, and uh, Derek Rolla. We're, we're in this pickleball. We do this men's little pickleball night, the four of us. And we were just pounding high moons. I had to take an Uber home. It was one of the best <laughs> nights of my life. I love it. I love it. Joey, that sounds a lot more fun than what we had last night watching that Blues game with the way that it finished. Let's start with this. Just kind of an overall thought on it. What was different in the Blues game last night compared to what we saw from them in game four, in your opinion? Well, I thought they they looked way better in, in game than the game last night than they did in game four for a period and a half. You know, that was that was the best the Blues had looked since they arrived in Edmonton, I thought, personally. You know, you look at going up three to one. You got a stranglehold not on the game. You got a stranglehold on the series, my friend. I mean, three to one. You had three opportunities, point blank, grade A areas to put this thing away. I'm talking the series because Vancouver was hanging on by a thread. They had absolutely nothing at this point. Uh, the Blues can't capitalize, and I know that Braden Shen's comments. You know, we maybe took our foot off the gas. I, I think that's. I think there's some truth to that. You know, listen, did, did Robert Thomas want to score? Of course he did. Did Jacob Della Rose want to score when it was NBA? Yeah. David Prawn, backdoor. Did he want to put it in? Yes, he did. I'm not saying that they didn't want to score, but I'm just saying that there's an opportunity to go up even by a bigger margin. The Blues don't. But even at the same time, was that the transitioning, the turning point in the game? I, I still don't think so. You're still in a good spot. You're up by two goals. You know, Jake Allen's been so steady and so solid for the team. But that Vertanen goal on the goal line, that just it seemed like it took the wind out of the blue sails. It gave a lot of energy to Vancouver. And that and that was a weird one last night, guys. Like to me, I don't know about you, Jamie, but that was that was one the blues just you, you have to have that one. And now that they don't, they got their work cut out for them. Yeah, Joey, look, I, we talked about it earlier in the show. I said, you know, you got Petrol breaking his stick for a weird goal there. You've got a puck hitting a player, then a linesman for a breakaway for a weird one. And then you have Jake that, you know, let's be honest, he was cheating off the post, thinking there was a backdoor play when there wasn't. And Vertanen sneaks it in on him short side. So I guess this leads me to my next question, which is, gonna, which is the hot topic of the day, of course, is do we see Jake? Jordan Bennington in game six for the St. Louis Blues? Well, that's that's the million-dollar question or the, I guess, the $4 million question. I think, I think that's what Craig Ruby makes. You know, because this is going to be this is going to be the, probably one of the most uh, pivotal decisions he's had to make and difficult decisions he's had to make since he's arrived as the head coach of the St. Louis Blues team. Uh, is it a good problem to have? Yeah, you got two goalies, but this is a weird situation. You're looking at two goalies that uh, one guy in Jordan Bennington, who's just been your guy, he's been your starter. You know, he, if if you have a game deciding or if you have an elimination game, Jordan Bennington to me that that's the guy. He's been sitting for two for two games. You know, you know he's frustrated. You know he's got that killer instinct in him. He wants to get out there. He wants to fight this way back, and he wants to earn this spot again. So you have that. But he also let up some goals during those first two games to make you a little bit nervous. Does Bo Horvat have him figured out? Does JT Miller have him figured out? That low blocker looked a little looked a little loose, right? So that's one side. But then you look at Jake Allen, who, if you if you look at it in this series, particularly just in this series, Jake Allen has been the better goalie. He's been better than Jordan Bennington. Now he's not on on the sidelines right now, getting all fury and fired up. But he has technically been the better goalie. He's got you guys back into this series. This is a this is a tough one. I, I keep going back and forth on it because the thought of seeing Jordan Bennington back in there on Friday 
as fired up as he's going to be and wanting to prove himself again. Every time he has to prove himself, he does a good job. But at the same time, is that enough? Because from a technical standpoint, the backup in Jake Allen has been technically better than you. This is, again, I I don't know how you guys feel about it, but I I keep going back and forth about this one. So, Joey, where I'm at on it, honestly, is I watched those saves that Markstrom made last night. And although Markstrom hasn't been stellar throughout this series the whole time, he's been very good, but he made those incredible saves last night. And in my head and in my heart, I look at it and go, those are Jordan Bennington-type timing saves like that, to where he's had those saves to win you games and win you a Stanley Cup. And so my head goes back to that, goes back to guys like Grant Fuhrer who had the big saves when you needed them. I also feel that the Blues, and I could be wrong, but... The Blues play a little more on their heels in front of Jake, and not in a bad way, not that they don't trust him, but I just feel like they are on their toes more and they attack with more aggressiveness when Jordan Bennington is there, I think because of some of those saves that he's made to keep them in games and win games. I think it's a it's a great perspective because you can see how a, a save can turn your team into a bunch of ball a bunch of balls of energy like we saw with Marshall last night. And it's a great point, Jamie, because we've all seen Jordan Bennington make that save where this team hasn't looked all that good. But when you see that save or two of them or three of them, then you're like, whoa, okay, let's let's go now, boys. We we need a little life here. Our goalie's being on the south, so it it, to- it totally goes both ways. And and I, and I if I if I'm hearing you right, I think you're kind of leaning towards Bennington, and and I am too, for that reason. But also, I think also you got to look at it from a coaching perspective. I mean, put your put your put yourself in Craig Berube's seat right now, okay? Imagine if you lose on Friday night. Would you rather lose knowing you went with the backup that had a bad game last game, but you kind of felt like he was just better in this series? Would you rather lose with Jake Allen in that, or would you rather lose with your guy Jordan Bennington, the guy who's been a stud for you? since he arrived last January, right? And, and at least you know that if you lose that game, hey, we went with our guy. It's like if Wayne Gretzky's having a terrible game, right? And let's say this game goes to a shootout, and you need one guy on the ice. And let's even say Wayne Gretzky's not even a good shootout percentage, which he didn't have, right? You still put Wayne Gretzky on the ice because he's Wayne Gretzky. And I think that's that's got to be the tone. Maybe that's got to be the mindset for Craig Ruby. At least I'm trying to put myself in his shoes where it'd be if we lose this game, would I sleep better knowing that we lost with the backup and Jake Allen? Would I be better with that decision? Or would I be better with the decision of at least I went back to our go-to guy. We still didn't win it. It wasn't in the cards for us. Joey, that's a really, really, really smart thing to say. <laughs> I've heard somebody else, a hockey expert, he say that earlier, earlier Joey, today. <laughs> don't let him fool oh, you. Oh, BK, you are back, my friend. You are not drunk. You are you are back. I don't know if that's the case, or you should be worried that you have the same take as BK. 100% <laughs> the latter. Joey, Maybe last... I'm drunk. Maybe I'm drunk. Oh, boy. Yeah, those, those high noons are really still having a lasting impact on you, my man. Last question that I've got from you, Joey. I've heard this a lot over the last 12 hours or so since the Blues game came to an end. Blues are down 3-2 now. We saw this a year ago with them going down 3-2 against the Stars. They won that series in seven. How much does that experience, in your opinion, matter going into this game six and hopefully then into game seven? How much of that can they lean on having had that experience a year ago? I, I think it matters. I think that it's a situation where you're not going to be holding the stick as tight. You know, I think that you look at a young, immature team at Vancouver was in our, in our place. 
I think they'd be really gripping the six tight come Friday night. I think they wouldn't have been playing on their toes. They'd probably be playing on their heels a little bit because you never want to be the guy that makes the wrong play, especially in, a, in an elimination game like that. I think from a relaxed standpoint, to me, that, that's where the veterans can play. That's where you look at the history. And you can say, guys, we've been here before. We'll probably be through, be through this again at some point. But you just go out there and you just play. Now, do I think uh, having the experience is, is one of the top things to have on Friday night? Absolutely not. I mean, we saw it, on, we saw it last night. Goaltending. I mean, you got to have a good goaltending, right? you got to have good special teams. You better be playing five-on-five. Five. To me, those are the things that really matter. And if the Blues can take care of those things, then they'll be all set. But having that experience certainly does add a little bit of calmness to it. But I, I believe that Friday night it is going to be a it's going to be a duel of goaltending, you know. And if we see Jordan Bennington back in that net, it's going to be mano a mano, Markstrom and, and Bennington. And and truthfully, guys, if the the only way the Blues I think still lose this series, and I don't know about you, Jamie and BK, but the only way I think they lose the series is if 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 Markstrom just comes up incredibly huge, because I think they're the better team. I think five on five, it's there. I, I'm looking at a Vancouver team. I don't think Edler's going to play. He, he took a, a skate to the ear hole last night. You know, you still don't have Tyler Myers. This is a better for worse decimated defensive group. They, they could be taken advantage of. You can exploit these defense. I mean, they're forwards. They got a couple top heavy lines. They don't have a lot of depth. The Blues on paper are way better. But if they can't figure out Markstrom, it could be it could be the end of the road. He's Joey Vitale. We'll watch it all tomorrow night right here on 101 ESPN. Blues versus Canucks game number six pregame at 730 with Alex Ferrario. Puck drop at 845 with Joey in curbs. Joey, happy birthday, my man. I'm happy that you made it to 25 healthy and happy. We'll talk with you again soon, my man. 25. I feel like I'm 20. Thanks, boys. (laughs) You got it. That's Joey Vitale joining us here on 101 ESPN. I want to talk about something that he just brought up coming up on the other side. Markstrom has been the difference in this last game. Will he be again in game number six? And what do the Blues need to get out of Jordan Bennington if he is the starter coming up tomorrow night? Ferrario pulled out some great stats that we want to get into. We'll get to all those coming up on 101 ESPN. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. Friday night it is going to be a it's going to be a duel of goaltending, you know. And if we see Jordan Bennington back in that net, it's going to be mano a mano, Markstrom and, and Bennington. And the the only way the Blues I think still lose this series if if Markstrom just comes up incredibly huge. With former Blues superstar defenseman Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kylie. It's Ribs and BK on 101 ESPN. That was Joey Vitale moments ago here on the show talking about Markstrom being the difference thus far. I think he's right. I mean, if you watched that game last night, and I know a large majority of our listening audience did, the Blues didn't play that poorly. I know it might have felt like in for about a six or seven minute period, they weren't playing very well at all. But for the majority of the game, if you look at the full 60 minutes, it wasn't like they were playing a bad hockey game. Markstrom just came up with some unbelievable saves, some timely saves. He held off what was the Blues' big rush, and then the Canucks came back the other way. They had their big push, and the Blues didn't get those same saves. There's your difference. That's your difference in the game. And last year, the Blues had Jordan Bennington in goal, and he was saving a lot of those shots. This year, Jake Allen or Jordan Bennington, this has been the case for both of them at times, they haven't all the time made those saves. So, Jamie, going into game number six, I know this is going to be the big question moving forward is, can either Jake Allen or Jordan Bennington make those saves, and which one do you think you would put the bet on to do so? 
I'm putting my bet on Jordan Bennington, okay? And here's here's a couple of reasons why. Is the number one problem with Jake Allen in his career here in St. Louis is he appears to be fragile at times. And Doug Armstrong, for two consecutive years, literally had to, like, send him home for a break to reset, to refresh himself. Jordan Bennington has been everywhere in his career. He's been to the bottom of the barrel and believed in himself and blocked out things and went through tough times. And I'm not saying Jake hasn't battled through adversity. He has. But we've seen him battle it in real time as pucks are going in and and games are being lost. Whereas Jordan Bennington, I feel like he has a deeper pool of adversity to pull from. And so I look at this and even though we're seeing you act like Jordan Bennington was terrible, right? Like I'm listening to everybody talking like, oh my gosh, you know, Bennington, the first two. He had a couple of squeakers. Apart from that, in the round robin. He made some incredible saves. He made those Markstrom-like saves in the round robin. I'm expecting Jordan Bennington to come back tomorrow night with uh, that experience of being, you know, having that adversity with that chip on his shoulder, with that swagger, with that do I look nervous? I expect that Jordan Bennington to come out for the Blues in game six. And uh, when your goalie acts that way, so do you. And I expect the Blues to play with that extra bit of swagger, that peacock kind of chest out, look at us mentality. The problem for me with Jake Gallon has just always been he's never been able to be that number one goalie. I'm so glad you brought that up, Rivs, because he did. You had to send him home twice in the month of January, February. Yeah, two years in a row, yeah, right? Yeah, the one year Brian Elliott took over, then the next year they had no backup when they had to re-sign Marty Brodeur. So <laughs> like, right. like you've had to go outside the organization to help Jake Allen get through a season. Now, look, Jake Allen has won playoff series before. He can be a great goaltender. He just, I don't know if he could be that number one to rely upon when when things get tense. And when you get into an even series where right now it's going to come down to goaltending, Jake Allen just wasn't able to make the save. Bennington can do that. Now, look, it's a short sample size for Bennington. He did it last year from January to the end of the season, but he didn't play from October to the end of the season. You had from January, February on. This year, he helped, but he did struggle at times where you had to pull him out. Remember, there were occasions this season where they gave Bennington a week off or gave him two weeks off. Craig Berube said, look, he just he's played a lot of games, which mm-hmm. that's not his mind. That's This guy's been a lot in that a lot. We got to give him some rest. But Bennington has always been your number one guy from last season on. And Jake Allen, unfortunately, has just been that 1B, which his role is perfect for, but it's not a role of winning a Stanley Cup. Let's rewind it one year ago, okay, to the Stanley Cup playoffs. I guess it wouldn't be a year ago because August we'd still be celebrating the damn cup and be probably a little sideways right now. So let's go back to last year's playoffs is probably the best way to put it. We're down 3-2 to two in a series to the Dallas Stars, which, by the way, that Dallas Stars team, in my opinion, is a much better team than this Vancouver Canucks team is. Top to bottom, that was a really well-coached team. They had goaltending with Bishop. They had great D. They had solid forwards. So let's go back to that. Jordan Bennington goes into Dallas and plays incredible to get to the, the Blues to a Game 7. And then in Game 7 has a duel with one of the best goalies in the NHL for the last decade, Ben Bishop. A duel. Literally, the only goal that went in on on Bennington went off the damn ref Mm -hmm. straight to one of their guys. 
So if I'm talking about, you know, what do I have in history that could show me that this guy could rise up and produce that, I'm going directly to that. It's interesting because you do kind of have to go to history here. Because if you look at only the postseason, the answer is Jake Allen. Jake Allen's been, uh, in terms of the numbers in the postseason, better than Jordan Bennington. But Jake Allen isn't your guy. Jake Allen is the backup to your guy. He's the guy that you planned, or we believe they plan, to trade in the offseason because they need to make some room cap space-wise, and you believe in Jordan Bennington being your number one. But if you look at what Bennington's done this postseason, there have been 26 goalies to start at least three games in the playoffs. He is 26th last in save percentage and 26th in goals allowed per game. There are some more fine print numbers, though, that we should look at there. Eight of his 17 goals that he's given up have come on the power play. The power play of the Canucks in particular was lethal early in this series. The Blues weren't defending it well. It's not all on Jordan Bennington. They were well, getting some Blues high danger chances. A ton of time in the penalty box, too. Absolutely. And there was another one that was a shorthanded goal. So the majority of his goals that he has allowed so far this postseason were not five on five goals. The Blues in this series have been the dominant over the full series so far, have been the dominant team in five on five situations. That's where they're going to win or lose this series. They've got to be the dominant team there. So I would go back to Jordan Bennington, expect him to continue being good in the five on five situations, stay out of the box, keep the Canucks off of their power play, stay off of the PK on your side of things and win the series that way. That's why I believe Jordan Bennington is the guy that should be in net in game six. I'm going to go back to a guy called Grant Fuhrer. Okay, and if you look at the statistics for Grant Fuhrer, you will shake your head and go, what? This guy's in the Hall of Fame. What? Look at his goals against. Look at this. Look at that. Right. But look at how many games Grant Fuhrer absolutely stole for that Edmonton Oilers team. How many games he stole for this St. Louis Blues team when I played on it? He made the saves that win you championships. So stats aside on all that stuff, you've got Jordan Bennington who's the guy who single-handedly in Game 7 of the Stanley Cup Final last year in the first period won that game for the Blues. He was Markstrom. To your point earlier, Alex, about generating some energy and momentum for your team, Braden Shen, Ryan O'Reilly, Alex Petrangelo, to a man, they talk about how huge his performance was in the first period and how that generated them to get more intense and play harder, and they end up really closing out that first period phenomenally, which ended up kind of being the Stanley Cup right there in that first period. Yeah. So I'm going back to the guy who walks around St. Louis with his chin held high, his chest out, knowing that I want the big game. You guys can play all your other games. You can do it. I want to be the guy in net for the big game because I've got the swagger to pull it off. It was the same mentality last year when the Blues in January needed something. They needed somebody. Chad Johnson wasn't the answer. Ville Husso was injured. Jake Allen was struggling. They call upon Jordan Bennington. It's the same scenario now. You don't have anything else. You got Jake Allen who didn't look the best. The only thing that me about Bennington were those two games against Vancouver. Yes, they were power play goals, but they were uncharacteristic Jordan Bennington goals. He looked behind him an awful lot. It's exactly what Allen did on that Vertanen goal last night. When your goaltender's looking behind you, thinking, ooh, do I have it? That's when you know your goaltender's not in his game. Go to game seven against Boston last year. Bennington doesn't look behind him when he's on the ice, with his legs sprawled out, pinned against the post. Bennington's looking down, saying, I got it. Go. 
that's just the difference right now with Jordan Bennington. And I know we got to go. I, I, the numbers with Bennington on back to uh, after losses are insanity right now. So I'll go quick with this. So in 2018, 19 last year in the postseason, an eight one and one overall record, a 175 goals against average, and a 93 save percentage after a loss. This guy would just come out and rebound insanity. Regular season, he was six and zero with a 1.79 goals against. Now that has changed a little bit. This year in 1920 in the regular season, 10 five and four with a 2.69 goals against and a 90 save percentage. Different, but a lot more hockey games than what he did in 18-19. And with his regular season, or the round robin in the games one and two against Vancouver in the postseason, it's gone from a two or 1.75 goals against to a 2.48. Different, but this guy still rebounds after losses as best as they come in the NHL, which is why the confidence should be in Jordan Biddington going into game six. You have questions about both. One's your guy, the other's not. Sometimes it can be that simple. And Jake Allen is a good goalie. Somebody is going to have him next year, probably as their starter or at least a one B. And they're going to be happy with having him. The Blues have Jordan Bennington. He's a Stanley Cup champion. He's the guy that you lean on whenever you go into a game where you have your back against the wall. That's the dude that you go into that fight with. You'll hear it right here on 101 ESPN tomorrow night. Blues versus Canucks. Game number six. Pre-game at 730. Puck drop at 845. It's all right here on your home for the Blues. 101 ESPN. Reinforcements are on the way for the Cardinals, and it might be the perfect time for that to be the case. They've got some big decisions to make over the next week or so, and it's a good time to make them. We'll talk about it coming up on one. ESPN. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. Over the course of the next 16 days, the Cardinals only have one doubleheader. So as they get players back and a belief that Yachty will play tonight, as they get players back, bullpen guys back, they will have an opportunity to get their bullpen straightened out, develop some roles down in that bullpen, try to get their position players in shape, get the timing of their offensive players back, have a legit number four hitter, hopefully, and Paul DeYoung over the course of the weekend. And all of a sudden, you might look at the Cardinals on Monday and say, they're pretty dangerous. Oh, boy, they're dangerous. That was Randy Carricker earlier today on Carricker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. You can hear them weekdays from 7 to 10 a.m. right here on 101 ESPN. So the Cardinals are about to get some reinforcements back and it is much needed reinforcements that they're going to be returning. Yadier Molina could be back as soon as tonight, which is awesome. Paul DeYoung, as you heard in that clip, could be back at some point this weekend. Carlos Martinez isn't too far behind them. This is a team that over the last five, six days has been playing to survive. Jamie, I think that's about to change. And I'll tell you why I think it's a really big deal that it is about to change. The deadline is coming up. We are 10 days away now from the trade deadline. In the next 10 days, in that time period, I think the Cardinals are going to transition from surviving to really playing to win these games. Because now we're going to start talking, we're going to start looking at the standings. Where are the Cardinals compared to the other teams in the standings? And what does that mean for their decisions at the deadline? Talk about timing here, too. Four games coming up this weekend against the Cincinnati Reds. They have not been as good as a lot of people were expecting this season. Then you've got three against my Kansas City Royals. They're awful this season. And then you've got two more against one of the worst teams in all of baseball with the Pittsburgh Pirates. That's basically your schedule leading up into the deadline. 
These are teams that you can take advantage of. And if you're a real contender, you should take advantage of them, especially as you're getting some of these reinforcements back. So, Jamie, I think over the next 10 days, we're going to learn everything that we need to about whether or not this team can be a real contender and whether or not they should be adding at the deadline. Yeah, I would agree to that. The the, the side note to this is I want to see what direction they go in with their transactions like obviously Yachty's back. Let me preface this by saying I'm not suggesting that the players that are missing right now aren't a part of the team when they come back or that DeYoung doesn't take his spot back. It's short stuff that Yachty doesn't take behind the plate. I know that's going to happen, but there is a trickle down effect in the lineup. And so I, I have to say this. I think Harrison Bader is in jeopardy. Mm-hmm. And the reason I say that is because you have people that can play center field. You've got Dylan Carlson, who the team has pretty much come out and said, we're committed to this young man playing and he's going to play every day if possible. If that's the case, well, to my knowledge, he's a pretty darn good center fielder too. He may not be Harrison Bader defensively, but the way he swings the bat and his potential, his upside at the plate is tremendous. Tyler O'Neill cooled off a little bit but still he's been playing well enough to where you're like you know what that's my left fielder Dexter Fowler even though his expected hit rate and his velocity off the bat is not very good right now and he could be trending downward in the near future he's still right now your right fielder we don't know what happens with Lane Thomas when he comes back if he's able to come back and have a positive effect on the team but you got Brad Miller You've got Tommy Edmond that you can move around in the outfield and in the infield. Brad Miller's shown that he can play two different positions at minimum, and I've heard people talk about how he's had some time in the outfield as well. Are you taking his bat out of the lineup? No friggin' way. So to me, the biggest thing is, the most interesting thing that I really can't wait to see is not so much how the Cardinals play because I do think they're going to be okay but where they go with transactions and how much this affects the team and how much John Mosellock and Mike Schilt reward guys that are actually playing well instead of looking at their age, instead of looking at their potential and things like that. I think that's going to be an interesting point. Well, and if you look at you got two two players coming back that are that are position players, Molina and DeYoung. So you're going to be moving two position players off of your roster. Or do you do one position player and a pitcher? But it seems like you want to keep as many pitchers as possible right now. So, you know, Bader is a really intriguing one, which I'd love I'd love to see what happens with that. Max Schrock to me is an obvious one that's going to get- to be sent down because that position's Paul DeYoung. Mundo Sosa too. Yeah, Mundo Sosa, and you have mm-hmm. Brad Miller. Here's the one that I'm interested in. What- don't you talk Millsy's about Millsy? Don't you no talk about Millsy? Um, what happens with Kisner? Do you send him back to the, to the satellite camp? because he's not going to be getting playing time, or do you keep that bat up here? Because he has shown that his bat is better than Matt Wieters right now. He's defensively, um, I know, God, BK, I just agreed with you with something. Um, his defense has, hasn't been, you know, it's not setting the world on fire. It but hasn't it, been a problem, though. No, it hasn't, it hasn't been affected your team. Him. So do you keep Kisner, so you have a third bat who can play behind the plate for you, or do you move Kisner down so you can get your roster players and keep your pitching staff up? Okay, that's the one that I've been really interested in, in talking about, the Kisner-Weedies thing that we got going on here. How old, Kisner's a young up-and-coming guy, right? And we talk about like all the time he's where he's switched positions and now he's become a catcher. And I don't see how you don't keep him. If the philosophy for a Dylan Carlson, which I know 
it's on a different level. I get it, okay? But if your philosophy right now is Tyler O'Neill, want to see what we got in Tyler O'Neill. Lane Thomas, I want to see what we got. Dylan Carlson, I want him to get major league at-bats. How is that philosophy not the same for Andrew Kisner? How is it not? Do you look at <laughs> Weeders and he's a great, he's a journeyman, backup catcher, great guy in the clubhouse, all that stuff, but he's not your future. So here's what I would say. They have the ability, and I know this goes against everything I believe, so I can't oh believe I'm saying this, but they have the ability with their roster to manipulate things to where they send Kisner down, they keep Weeders on the roster still. We know how this is going to go. Yadier Molina is going to start every game that he is back. Once he returns, he is your everyday catcher. And so if something were to happen to either him or Weeders, and they ended up going back on the IL, and hopefully that is not the case, but if something were to happen to Yadi, now you bring that Kisner back up, he becomes your everyday catcher. I think they just view Weeders as a good guy to have on the roster as your backup catcher. I can disagree with it all I want, but they're able to keep Kisner. They're able to keep Weeders by having Weeders up and Kisner down. I have a question that I'm sure you guys will be able to answer. And it's about the roster. It's about call-ups. It's about transactions, okay? If they choose to send Kisner down to the taxi squad, mm-hmm. right? That, that those guys that's are, what it would be. So those guys are still with the team actively, right? I think they go down they to, go Springfield, to Springfield, but they end up, they can come up and down yeah. kind of as you please. It's basically. the satellite camp that we talked about with yeah, Nate Lucas. I didn't know if that was just on the 40-man roster or if it was a part of the taxi squad. So, I so thought the, there was a little discrepancy there. I think they're there. both together in Springfield to where mm-hmm. they're on the field, they're doing BP, they're playing basically simulated games, but the taxi squad can be sent up and down as much as okay. possible. Guys like Nolan Gorman are the satellite camp that you would have to put on your roster to have them up. Okay, so that leads me to my question then is can you send Kisner down and then when you have days where Yachty's not going to play can you have those days earmarked to where you're like look at Wheaties I know you're a good guy but when Yachty's going to take a day off we'll bring Kisner in to play that game and then we're going to send him back down you should be able to but those days don't exist those are gone now. Yes. To, to answer your but question, with all these the double headers that are going to be hitting them, Yachty can't play and every And that's when game. they get the extra the extra player that they can bring yeah. up as well. So then you can just bring up Kisner and maybe he's your 29th like, guy. Like, I would do that. that. I don't care if Wheaties gets his feelings hurt at all. If I'm the GM, if I'm uh, president of baseball, if I'm Mike Schilt, I'm like, listen, man, you're our, you're our safety net, but. If we have a situation where Yachty's not going to play in a doubleheader one of the games, Kisner's our guy. You know, it could happen, Ribs, if you expect it to happen. This is true. I expect that to happen, although I think it only works with hits. I did have one more point that I wanted to make. Speaking of expecting (laughs) things, uh, I don't expect them to make a big move in terms of the position players. Because if you look up and down the roster right now, I know that the Mark Saxon just tweeted something out about the Cardinals and what their production has been at the plate. It hasn't been good so far this year. If you look into some of the advanced numbers are 24th in overall run production from their offense. It's not good enough. They need to be better than that, especially while their pitching staff is kind of in shambles trying to get itself back in order. But Yachty, Goldie, Wong, DeYoung, Edmonds slash Miller slash Carp at third base. That's probably what they're going to go with moving forward. Fowler, Carlson, O'Neill. And then at DH, you expect Miller, Carpenter, Thomas to get the opportunities there. There's really no opportunity there for them to just add somebody else in without taking somebody out that they want to see every day this year. I don't think they're going to make any move for a position player at the deadline. I think the thing you could see 
is either a back end of the rotation starter that they think they can get some innings out of to finish this season or somebody that they really love in their bullpen that they've got club control, not just for this year, but for beyond as well. Those are the two things that I would look to the, for them to potentially add if they decide to be a buyer at the deadline. If I'm the Cardinals, I'm really treating this year as a development year. And what I mean by that, and we, I've said it before, and you guys have said it too, is yeah, let's go with Tyler O'Neill. Let's go with Dylan Carlson. Let's go with Lane Thomas. I know we have Dexter's contract, but we're going to have a lot of doubleheaders. Dex can get a little bit of a rest. Andrew Kisner's going to play those games where we give Yachty a rest. Like, let's go with the youth movement here. To me, so far, I mean, it looked okay. Well, and that's the part that I'm on here. Uh, you're at the point now where you've missed this time. You got all of these games showcase what you have in your organization and in the offseason know exactly what you need i talked about it you don't go into the offseason anymore saying well we'd like to know what harrison bader's future is or tyler o'neill's future no you know it now now you go out there and say okay these are the guys that are on our team for the future these are the guys that don't have a role let's see what we can get to make this team a a world series contender the big question that i'm going to have moving forward is what this pitching staff looks like both in terms of the rotation and the roles that they're going to carve out in the bullpen it's going to take probably the next week or so maybe even more to figure those things out but right now if you're looking at the back end of the rotation Ponce de Leon is fine he's a perfectly fine pitcher but I don't think he's ever going to be a guy that gets you five six innings he just seems like somebody that's going to go short in games and right now that's hurting them a little bit frankly and then that fifth rotation spot KK just makes me nervous. Really? Every time he goes out uh, there, Martinez I just get nervous. makes me nervous. They both do. And so I don't know. I don't that feel as nervous with starter. KK. I just oh. don't. I don't know why. Yeah. I, I don't. I haven't really felt nervous watching KK. I was uh, even when he was uh, closing, it wasn't so much nervous. It was, boy, he looks he looks different, but he wasn't yeah. making me nervous like yeah. Carlos makes me nervous. I, I, I understand where you're coming from on that. And I'm, I'm saying both of them make me nervous. I don't know that they have a fourth slash fifth starter right now. And so if Lance Lynn isn't the name, I don't think they're going to trade for him because he has another year of control after this season. But if they could go out and find a pitcher that could give them quality innings down the stretch, I wouldn't be stunned if that's the route that they decided to go because they, they, they seem to need one more guy that they can really rely on, not just for the regular season, but if they get into the postseason, it'd be nice to have a rotation that you felt really good with at least four of your starters. With Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kylie. Let's dive into the junk drawer coming up next. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. Former Blue Superstar defenseman Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario. I'm Brandon Kylie. Jamie, yesterday you brought up something really interesting in the junk drawer. Said, hey, you know, there's some trouble brewing out in Kansas City. It's mm. Bashad Breland guy. It's the starting cornerback for the Chiefs, was a hero in the Super Bowl with his interception. Suspended for the first four games of the 2020 NFL season. What's going to happen here, BK? So, Jamie, we knew about this in April. It's going to be all right. We knew about this. Like, BK's upper management. We were notified early by the league. (laughs) Well, Bashad Breland had a response to this yesterday. Have you seen this, Jamie? Because Bashad Breland is a Chiefs cornerback and apparently on the side has another gig 
as a musician. Let's take a listen. Remember in the draft, I fell, you came to get me. I fell in the draft based on fabricated mention. Got caught with the gas, then they put me on suspension. Afraid of my past, can't go back to average living. Cause I became a dad before I asked to be. Couldn't go to class, had to get the cash. So I left school just to get the currency. Now it's leverage living currently. Now my baby girl having good dreams, no worrying, no discouraging, only flourishing. Good nourishment. All days ain't good, but this is past currently. Sorry, is this for like Rashad Breeland or Tupac? Oh, feeling it. <laughs> you went feeling it. He went straight T Pain on us here. I feel you, bro. So this is Bashad Breeland, the Chiefs starting quarterback. His response to the notice from the NFL <laughs> that he was suspended for the first four games of the NFL season was sending out a rap video. Email, copy Roger Goodell. <laughs> I gotta, I gotta say, it wasn't horrible. Oh, come on. I've well, heard, actually, you know what? It I've was... heard better trash on the radio than that. Uh, okay, you're not wrong. My boys have played some awful music in the last year, so, and that may not have been the worst I've heard. This is from his Instagram account. Because this is I'm, incredible. I've never seen anything like this before, Jamie. <laughs> We've seen a lot of players get suspended, and you get that generic statement, right? I apologize to the fans. I apologize to ownership. I apologize to my teammates. I take full responsibility for this. Bashar Breeland said, quote, I post this today because I want to apologize publicly to the entire organization, my coaches, teammates, fans, and family. I expect full responsibility, blah, blah, blah. He posted this. This referencing, of course, that audio that you just heard. I like his pizzazz, man. You know what? If you're going to do something, go big, right? Go big or go home. And he definitely, well, he did both. He went big and he'll be at home for four weeks. I'll be buying the debut album when it comes out. (laughs) So bad. Oh, my God. He's certainly an interesting dude. And uh, right now there's a lot of interesting dudes in sports. And the, the story that I'm really enjoying this year, guys, is, you know, obviously, you know, I love Joe Kelly. That whole thing, just love. Some people would debate, I don't care. I love what he did, and I stand by Joe. Free Joe Kelly! Guess what? I'm not alone on that. I am not alone. There's a gentleman that, you know, he's not very controversial at all. His name's Trevor Bauer. Never heard of him. Yeah, yeah, just a quiet guy, Trevor Bauer. Uh, Well, Trevor Bauer has decided uh, to have Nike cleats and not not have them made. They are made. And on one shoe, it has the Joe Kelly little whiny face that he made after he threw, like, at everybody on the roster. And on the other shoe, it has free Joe Kelly. He intends on wearing these cleats in a game. Now MLB, Rob Manfred, is like, uh, yeah, he is not wearing those cleats. We cannot support this. Did you hear Trevor Bauer last night talking about this? No, I. Well, I, I, I did hear a little bit of it, but I would love to hear it again. Uh, so they threatened to eject me from the game and suspend me if I wore them. So that was the deal. I think they. I don't think they have grounds to, to do that. It certainly would be completely unprecedented for. Uh, I guess what would be considered a uniform violation by them, even though it's not really a violation given the rules this year. But I just didn't want to put my teammates in a situation like that. I did wear them pregame, warming up and stuff like that. So they're authenticated. They'll still be available for the rules I put on Twitter. But I guess in the future, I just want to announce them so that MLB can't freak out about me following the rules. A hundred bucks if he takes his shoes off in the middle of a game and throws them to the center field position. (laughs) How about he just throws them at the batter? A la Joe Kelly style. 
That's just dangerous. Yeah, you, you don't want spikes first. Well, yeah, okay. So 100 mile an hour fastballs better? Touche. Yeah. Now, okay, so <laughs> agree or disagree that Major League Baseball has come down on him and said, no, no, you can't do that. I mean, it's ridiculous. Yeah, it's, what's it's, ridiculous? It's, it's Major disagree. League Baseball doing disagree. Yeah, okay. So are, you're are, okay are we with sure? It, right? Like, who cares? If, Hold on, Ribs is are we sure right now? I don't even know. Like, who cares? Hold if, on, Ribs is are we sure right now? I don't even know where I'm at right now. All I know is the NBA has jerseys on where guys' last names aren't even on them. They've got all this other stuff going on. And we just have free Joe Kelly with a little bit of a, you know, a pouty face it's going on. silly, man. This The NFL does the same thing where they're like, you can have your own cleats, just not those cleats. Not those <laughs> You're cleats. free to be creative, just don't be creative. It's the yeah. same thing they told Colton Wong when he was wearing his Hawaiian colors on his arm sleeve or his shoes. Uh, that's too gaudy in Major League Baseball. Marcelo Zunas was perfectly fine with the knee arm yeah, going yeah. down Everyone's blinded what? by his he arm sleeve. He had the rave arm going. Yeah. It's a joke. It's Rob Manfred. ridiculous. In baseball, this is now the second story with baseball this week where they've become a national spotlight story. Third, get rid of these stupid unwritten rules. They're unwritten for a reason because nobody would write them down. Otherwise, they would be seen at just how ridiculous <laughs> they all are. They really are. And <laughs> this thing where you can't wear the cleats of your choice, like who cares? Who is going to be hurt by the fact that he wore some awesome cleats last night? Was some of the Astros guys going to have their feelings hurt? You well, know guess what? what? Don't cheat then. You know what needs to happen? Joe Kelly needs to call Brashad Breeland and put out a rap song. <laughs> he just, we need a rap video yeah. for this. We both apologize. <laughs> yeah, everyone apologize at the same time with their Instagram rap video. It could be like Ozzy Osbourne's new song with Post Malone, where you have you know two different voices in there. <laughs> Those are really two different voices. It's a good song. Very different voices. Very different. All right, Jamie, last thing that I've got here for the junk drawer. I find myself regularly sitting in front of Netflix, and I think we've talked about this before on our show, sitting in front of Netflix and waiting an hour before we decide what we're going to be watching, whatever it's me and Kara, and we're we're like, hey, what do you want to watch? I don't know. Let's go through it. So you look through 50 different things, and you're both on totally different pages on what you want. You want to watch a comedy. She wants to watch a drama. She wants to watch a documentary. You want to watch an actual TV show and go through a couple of episodes. Well, Netflix is trying to make this a little bit easier on all of us. They are considering testing out a shuffle button, which would allow viewers to have the service to randomly select a movie or a TV show. Would you utilize this if this were available to you? I see this just starting more fights. I see this starting more fights because you'll hit the shuffle button just like you do, like I, you do on your your iPhone or whatever. You know, you have the shuffle, and the first two songs, you're like, oh yeah, I'm feeling it. Then the third one, like, no. No, and then no, and I can see this shuffle thing. You're sitting there with your significant other, you, your fiance, Alex, you and us, you and I with our wives, and you hit the shuffle, and she'd be like, ha, no. no, and then you'd be like, but I like that. I, you're just going to have the same problem because it's like the lottery. How many times are you going to hit that shuffle where it lands perfect on you both? Like, wow, there's, yeah. There's already a shuffle option on Netflix. Is there? Yeah, you close your eyes and you scroll through <laughs> and you press play on one of them. It's you, real simple. You had me there for a second. I was like, I just read this news story. I'm pretty sure this is new. But like, seriously, you're going to put it. You didn't have anything. You're, you're going to put the shuffle option on there and they're going to charge you an extra $5 a month for it. I mean, I like their uh, I like their uh, initiative to drive up some revenues, but uh, yeah, the shuffle button to means all you're doing is you're shuffling over to a different fight. Every it's going to be shuffling. the same thing as being in the car with your significant other, for you guys, your wives, for me, and my girl, and, and fiance. my kids. 
and you shuffle through the songs, and it's just next, 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 because nobody can agree on which song to go with. 100%. Now you're just going to do that with I do that TV by myself. shows and movies instead of music. So that's all this is going to be. With Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kylie. I need a ruling on something. We'll get to that, plus whew, the Reds are looking for a new announcer. Talk about it coming up on 101 ESPN. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. Alongside former Blue Superstar defenseman Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kylie. I need a ruling on something, guys. What'd you because do I've been out of the dating yeah, game. I need a ruling. Yeah, what'd you oh, do? That's boy. always when you BK, do something wrong with your wife or significant I'll other. I'll call Kara and work it uh, out for contraire. you. Okay. I have... Did you just speak French to me? I did. He did. Extra, you know I don't speak Spanish. <laughs> it's been a while since I've gone on a date because, well, let me clarify here. Always supposed here. to date your wife, let BK. Let me clarify here. I was, I have I was not just supposed to give you a ruling on that. Yeah. <laughs> I have not been dating in a while. I have not had to do the process of courting a oh, woman in like a while. People. Correct. Okay. In a while. I hope it's been at least seven years. It's been at least seven and a half. Okay. All right. So nice save. I sure. don't know exactly what the going rate is to go on a date nowadays. And I'm going to need the text line to help us out a little bit on this one. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line because... I am now engaged. I've been with my fiance for seven and a half years now. We basically have been together for the last nine. We met each other our freshman year of college and have been together more or less since. I mean, minus the closet incident. Correct. <laughs> we don't have to get into that. No. <clears throat> you guys are both married. Well, I saw something on Twitter the other day, and there was a post that said, you should be able to go on a date nowadays oh. for no more than $28. What? <laughs> Were you taking her to a public park? With yeah, like, back in the 90s. With a dollar menu from McDonald's? What the hell? So, and this is why I need a ruling. All right. I need a ruling. What is the correct price to pay specifically on a first date? Because after that, I mean, you can go a million different ways, right? There's so many different things that you can do. But first dates are a very specific thing. Most people have something that is their go-to. Like, I'm going to go to dinner and a movie. I would imagine that's probably not the case now. But, you know, when there wasn't a pandemic, that was maybe a go-to. Maybe mm-hmm. here in St. Louis, you've got a favorite bar that you go to. That way you can bowl after 30 minutes if you don't enjoy the date. Whatever it is, people have their thing, their go-to as their first date. I need a ruling. Is $28 realistic for a first date? No, I don't think it's... Unless it's $19.25, I don't think $28 is realistic at all. Like... Think about it. Well, okay, maybe that's an exaggeration. But if you go to like the 60s or the 70s, maybe, you know, you get into the theater for $2 or something like that. No chance now. You go to a movie, which I know we're in a pandemic, but without a pandemic, right. you're looking at sometimes like $12 to get into a movie. Yeah. That's so, you do the math right there. You buy a movie for you and her, you up to $24. Now what? You're going to share a. a a cup of water that they'll charge you for the cup? That's usually six bucks. Yeah. Well, you sneak the, the food in. Right? Oh, yeah. Oh, they're going to say oh, a flask. Well, that's well, it. That's it. No, I do that. No, listen, I think $28 is absurd. I've seen some of these things, and I saw another one from N- MSNBC the other day about how, like, uh, uh, someone's budget, and they're paying, like, oh, $50 for a cell phone. I'm like, this is not real. We can get into that yeah. here in a second That's as well. ridiculous. That's so, the way you can go through it if, like, yeah, you are living by the bare minimum of everything, but especially if it's a first date. 
that's the one you're trying to impress the person on. Yeah, $28 means that's going to be your only date. Yeah, you're going to White Castle, <laughs> which is probably going to be at least 15 bucks for two people. If you go to a movie... And then the toilet paper. Yeah, I mean, if you go to the movie, you could sneak in... Paper. <laughs> one ply's cheaper, Riz. One ply's cheaper. Yeah, you gotta, if you through. could sneak into the movie theater, I guess, if you want to do that, bring your own mini golf How clubs. romantic. Hey, quick, you yeah. go first. Yeah. <laughs> Run in. Go, go around. Here, we'll buy your ticket. You go around, and then you find me on the side door. Right. Open that for me, and I'll bring in the Chick-fil-A. Yeah, we'll you can, great meal you can bring two putters and two golf balls and go mini golf yourself if you want. I've got a Big Mac in my fanny pack. <laughs> 65780 is the Air Comfort ever. Service text line. I see a lot of different answers here. Like it's anywhere from basically fifty to a hundred dollars is what we're getting is the average for a first date. Does yeah. that seem about right? Yeah, I listen. God, so thank God I don't have to date anymore. Here's where I say that every day. Holy cow! I've got to dive way back into my brain here, which isn't very easy to do, or my memory rather. And you know, my first date with my wife was a couple of drinks. And then a movie. It was real simple. And, you know, it, it works for the most part. But also another good way to do it, but it's a little more expensive, is you meet for a dinner, casual dinner somewhere that's not real expensive, but it's not White Castle. Nothing against White Castle, but just not first Probably date not the first date material. material. And then, you know, the go-to that I think would be good is you tell her to have some friends meet you at a local watering hole and you have some of your friends and you just kind of have a gent like a get together as a group mm-hmm. because that's always so easy then to mix and mingle and yeah. talk and the conversation doesn't ever hit you know a dead patch type thing but then of course with that more cocktails mm-hmm. you know the, the tab starts growing so i think between 50 to 100 is probably pretty accurate see i never did the movies on my dates because at least for the first ones because you could have the opportunity to talk you're going to a movie and you're just sitting there in silence plus you're spending 35 40 bucks for it like let's go somewhere else where we can talk and at least have a good time so you're talking about you know going to i think my first date with my wife was the blues game so we could go to dinner and a blues game good. anything that you can get where you've got a year um, it was, it was, uh, 2000, 2009, 2009, I thought it was maybe 2006. <laughs> I was going to say you're welcome. <laughs> oh, no, no. <laughs> Jamie showed you a good time. Yeah. No. Whoa. Yeah. Hey, whoa. Okay. Yeah. On. It was actually when you were no there supposed to and know. you blew the, you blew the game. So we had to leave. We were pretty no upset. Chance I blew the game. I would not have been on the ice at any point where it mattered. <laughs> I, those are always, to me, the best ones, like uh, a game that you can go to because now you've got a third rail, right? It's not just this entire thing depends on the conversation that we're having here. And I'm talking about specifically with the first dates. You never know how that's going to go, especially nowadays where you a lot of the people are meeting on Tinder, yeah. right? You're meeting on these online platforms or these social media platforms. <laughs> and so you get into per- you're in person and you have no idea how you're going to click with this person. So if you go to a game, at least now I can watch the game and yeah. we can mingle. And that's an easier way You've to go about deflect, it. you got a deflector. You have something that's providing <laughs> content for you to discuss, right? Yeah. And that's why I, I'm getting a little bit of heck on the text line for meeting up with friends. And she goes, yeah, yeah, until she likes one of your <laughs> friends. Well, if that's the case, then it wasn't meant to be anyways, right? right? I hate Hated dating but so much. I just think that, you know, third party, fourth party, fifth party people that get get into this, they produce things to talk about. They produce content so that you don't have that stale conversation that's going on that's being forced. So 
I don't know. I, I'm a big fan of getting to just having some fun, really like relaxed, you know, and even still to this day with, with my wife when we go out, yeah, we have the odd dinner where we just want quiet because life is so chaotic as it is. But for the most part, we still will meet up with people that we know because it's fun to interact and talk and, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, I love interacting and talking. That's always my go-to. Yeah. With Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kylie. Coming up next, you got to stick with Dylan Carlson, right? Even through the good and the bad, you got to stick with him. We all agree on that? Because earlier today I heard something that maybe would have indicated that that's not the case for everybody. We'll talk about that coming up on the other side on 101 ESPN. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. I just look at it from their perspective. We wanted to look at O'Neill and Thomas. Mm -hmm. And now they're probably thinking we have a chance to do some damage here, maybe even make the playoffs. Who gives him the best opportunity? I still think it would be Dylan Carlson. That would be my opinion. But they might look at his numbers and say, okay, I still want to look at Lane Thomas. I still want to have Bader as a part of my team. Fowler is doing fine. So I'm going to send the guy back. I was Randy Carricker earlier today on Carricker and Smallman with Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario. I'm Brandon Kylie. It's Ribs and BK on 101 ESPN. Look, we can all agree this is not the start that we were hoping for for Dylan Carlson. He hasn't had the results. I can talk about how hard he's hitting the ball all I want. Uh, eventually, it does come down to what is he putting out there. And so far, he's batting 148 and his OPS is 392. That's awful. It's got to be better. He will get better, I do believe. But thus far, it hasn't been there for him. So Randy asked the question earlier today, what do you do whenever you get Lane Thomas back? What do you do whenever you're back to a full roster? Does Dylan Carlson still play every day? And Jamie, my answer to this is very simple. The Cardinals said from day one, if we're bringing up Dylan Carlson, it's to play him every day. And my belief would be now, now that he is up, he's up and he's going to play every day. And he's going to stay up. He's going to be here in the bigs. He doesn't look overmatched to me. And I think that's the really important part here. If he was looking totally overwhelmed and like he was swimming and he had no idea what was happening as he's going up to the plate... I would probably say something a little bit different right now, but he, to me, looks like he belongs. I think he should still be out there every day. Until proven otherwise, I think he's got to be in your outfield every single day moving forward. Yeah, I mean, I'd be hypocritical if I, or I would be a hypocrite, rather, if I didn't say what I mentioned earlier. Go with your youth. Like, go with it. Like, I know Elaine Thomas is still part of your youth, too. But, you know, some of the text line brings up great point that Harrison Bader has been given, like, two years of a runway here to try and figure things out. I I say we stick with Dylan Carlson. And listen, we talked to people who were down in Springfield and watched him. And, you know, uh, BT brought up some great points that he'd figured out pitchers down there. And he was hitting the ball well, hitting the ball hard, and... The only way you can make that next step is by facing the best pitchers. And Major League Baseball, obviously, is the highest league you can get to. So that's where Dylan Carlson needs to be, even if he doesn't play every single day or every single game. Like, I know we're going to have some more doubleheaders coming up. If you choose to play him one of those and then maybe even just DH the second or sit it out and watch and, and then... You know, sit with a coach and dissect how the at-bats are going for other guys or what pitchers are choosing to throw to guys. There's so much you can learn while being in the bigs. And that's, you know, even when I go back to my days of coming up to the NHL from the minors, 
the minors, two, my first two years, I played in the All-Star game. I was an All-Star in the minors two years in a row. I had done everything I needed to do down there, but I was still way, not behind, but learning when I got to the NHL. And it wasn't just being thrown into games. It was practice every day. And I know this year's unique for baseball because they're not going to have a lot of practice time. But being around the guys, listening to what they say, listening to how they talk about what pitchers are doing, how they approach at-bats, what certain guys throw in certain situations, you're picking up so much more than if you were just down in Springfield dominating satellite camp. Here's the big thing for me, too. I mean, look, right now it's going to be playing time. You know O'Neill's going to be in there. Fowler's going to be in there. Lane Thomas is going to get shots when he gets back. But right now it's Carlson or Bader. Both are getting out. Both aren't hitting the ball. But look how they're getting out. Bader's striking out. Bader's popping up balls. Carlson is crushing these balls. Right to people. Yes, they are still out. But it's the same thing in my mind of what the analytics said about Matt Carpenter the year that he was bad. And they said, hey, just keep doing what you're doing because you are hitting the ball. Carlson's putting the barrel on this thing. I would continue with this guy because we've gotten him up here now. There is no point of sending him back down because you need him to play. Let this guy continue to roll. Let him keep hitting. Let that confidence come when you get those first couple of hits that break through where you start feeling a little bit better about themselves. You talk about Harrison Bader, okay? Dylan Carlson's had 10 games. So, (laughs) like, if we're going to compare him to anybody actually else in the outfield, like Tyler O'Neill has had a longer runway than this is 10 games. And I know you magnify that. Do the multipliers carry the one because in a real season, listen, I don't care about 2. that. 7, so 27. It doesn't matter. <laughs> it's still it, it he technically physically has only played 10 games yep. any way you slice it. Yeah. So I'm not ready to sit here and go, you know what? Yeah, it's a bad idea. We need to send him back down. And to your point, Alex, and to your point, BK, how hard he's hitting the ball and how comfortable, for the most part, that he's looked in the batter's box. Yeah, I'm I'm not ready to mm. shift gears on this guy. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line from the 618. Guys, I know it's a short season, but we're only 10 games in. Would we still be having this conversation in a normal season? And that's kind of to what you just said, Jamie. No, I don't think we would. If this was 10 games in to a 162-game season, we wouldn't be talking about this right now. We would say, hey, it's really early. He's not even up here. He would be up here yet. Right. But if, if we were talking about 10 games into his career, mm. we wouldn't be having this same conversation. There's more urgency because of what this season is. We also talked about this a little bit yesterday, and BT brought it up. They're not throwing him any fastballs. And if you're Dylan Carlson, that's what you want, is you want to see the meatball coming over the plate. Right now, there is literally not a single player in all of baseball that has at least 20 plate appearances on the season that is seeing a lower percentage of fastballs than Dylan Carlson. Not a single player. That is a crazy number. There are 395 players in baseball that have at least 20 plate appearances this season. Dylan Carlson is 393rd in the percentage of fastballs that he's seeing. So this is just a totally different type of pitch that he's... This is a different assortment of pitches that he's seeing right now compared to what he saw in the minors or what he saw down in Springfield. It's his job, though, now, okay? Knowing that he has these analytics or these stats to show that he's not getting the pitches he wants, it's his job and the hitting coach's job for him to solve the mystery on some of these off-speed change-up sliders, sinkers, whatever they're throwing. He's got to adjust. He's got to start hitting the ball as they're doing that because then he'll see some fastballs. By showing that he can have some success uh, with their junk pitches, uh, then he will get fastballs because they'll have to mix it up. But, yeah, so it's on Dylan Carlson. But I do think the positive side to that is 
He's hitting these balls. They're not hitting them into spots where, you know, he can get base hits or home runs. But he is hitting them. Mike Schilt was on MLB Network Radio a little while ago talking about Dylan Carlson and what he's seen from the young outfielder thus far. Here's what Mike Schilt had to say about it. The numbers are, are the, what they are, but the bats are, are way better than the numbers dictate. He's also, you know, been able to, you know, see the ball pretty well and, and adapt to how he's being pitched. And he's been pitched tough. And I, I think the reputation of him being, a, you know, coming up as a, as a guy with, you know, is rightfully touted to be a good player, kind of perceived himself, and people went to a to a breaking ball mentality, and what is the large portion of how people pitch now. That's what he's seeing. He's seeing a lot of breaking balls. He's seeing a lot of off-speed pitches, and he, you're, you're right, Jamie. He's going to have to adjust, and I do believe that he will adjust as we move forward, but so far, we haven't seen that 100% of the way, and I think that it's going to get better. I really do. And in the meantime, while they are trying to see him get through this difficult spot in his early time in his career, I think he needs to be out there every single day. He's got to be your starting outfielder, whether it be in center, left, or right. I don't care. He's playing all over the place right now, and it doesn't seem to be bothering him. He's been fine defensively thus far. He needs to be out there every single day. With Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kiley. Let's get into some Blues quick hitters coming up next. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. Let's get into some Blues quick hitters. We've got some news coming out of Craig Berube's media conference. So let's get into a few of these. I'll tell you the news. I want to get your reaction to them as we go along here, Jamie and Ferrario. Start with this one. This all comes from Jeremy Rutherford, our Blues insider for 101 ESPN and The Athletic. Says Berube says that he has not made a decision on his goalie for game number six. First of all, you buying that? And second of all, who would you go with in game number six? Well, we talked about it all day. I'm going with Bennington. And I'm not buying that at all. That's called gamesmanship to where the Vancouver Canucks have to sit there and wait to find out who they're going against so that they can't jump back into the video and dive into analytics, which guess what? By the way, they're doing it anyways, and they already have a huge scouting report on both goalies. So either way, though, it does kind of keep the other team off balance. But, yeah, that's my thought. So you don't think that uh, that you think Barubi has already told goalie who's playing? Yes, 100%. You think so? 100%. Part of me wondered if he was just going to wait until tomorrow to, to let him know. No chance. No Already chance. You want your guy in the zone and yeah. ready. You don't want anybody off balance or caught off guard. Craig Berube, I guarantee, all uh, oh, about 45 minutes after the game last night, had already made a decision on who he's going with next game. So this isn't yeah. a Jake Woodford situation where they're going to tell him 30 minutes before the game, hey, no. you're starting today. No. no. Yeah, Bennington's the guy. It's just, I'm surprised. I thought that they would have at least said tomorrow, let, think on it a little bit more, but you're right. I mean, we all, it was obvious after the second period that Bennington was going to be the guy. We all said Jake Allen, when he struggles, he's coming out of the net and it's going back to Bennington. So we all knew it's obvious. I just wondered if the coach waits, but you've seen it before where they walk off the ice and they say, hey, look, that was great, but it's your net tomorrow. Yeah, and look, it does, I'm not saying that Craig Brewery had a team meeting and was like, hey, guess what? Benny's our guy. No, 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 no. What happened here is he's quietly grabbed Jordan Bennington, told him, hey, listen, man, get your head straight. You're going next game. And he probably talked to Jake and said, hey, listen, we're not going to talk to anybody about this. It won't be announced, but Benny's going to go in game six. The rest of it we're just keeping quiet on. And even the players who are 
in the other players that are not the goalies, they probably don't know. And they probably won't know until it's time for a pregame skating, and they'll find out then. Yeah. Next one up, this also comes from Jeremy Rutherford. Baruby said that Gunnarsson was unfit to play in game five last night. He also adds that Steen unfit to play, and Baruby said that he does not expect Steen to be available for game number six. Let's stick with that Gunnarsson news that he was unfit to play in game five. If he is unable to play again in game six, Jamie, what pairings would you like to see defensively? Because they made some changes last night, and I don't know that it went according to plan. Yeah, I would put Bortuzzo on the left side with Petrangelo, personally. Um, reason I would do that is, one, I really thought that Falk and Dunn were playing very well together. I thought that Justin Falk on the right side, offensively and transition-wise, creates a lot more on his strong side. I would keep Scandella and Pareko together. They've done well since Scandella's got here, and I just wouldn't mess with that, even though there are a few bumps in the road along the way here. And I think Bortuzzo can handle a few more minutes. And listen, if you're not all that confident and you want to shave some minutes down, you can swap him and Falk throughout the game to get more ice time for Justin Falk. But that's where I would go with it because it allows Alex Petrangelo to jump in the play, to be a part of the rush. If you went with someone like Vince Dunn with Alex Petrangelo, you'd be sitting there going, okay, which one of you guys is going? I need somebody to hold the fort down for us. So that, that's where I would go. Hear me out. Don't call me crazy until I finish my explanation here, Rivs. Don't tell me you're putting Costin on D with Petrangelo. How'd you know that? Billy Huso dressing up <laughs> on the sixth defenseman. I'm putting Scandella with Petrangelo um, because I think Scandella is a very defensive-minded pair. Um, we saw that with Pareko. He and Pareko are just off a little bit. Pareko has looked like he's he's been behind a couple of steps. I'd put Bortuzzo on the left side with Pareko so you can have that extra that extra energy for a guy who hasn't played this whole series. And I'd put Dunn and Falk back together. Look, Falk's best games were games three and four, and it was on that right side. He was up there on the left side, and we were talking about this off the air. Falk was up on the left side with Petrangelo towards the end. But Falk's not getting in the play when he's on the left side. He's getting in the play on the right side. So I think I'd like to see Scandella, Petrangelo, Pareko, Bortuzzo, if Gunnarsson's not available, and then Dunn and Falk as that third pairing. I really want to see. The biggest thing for me, I want to see Falk back on the right side. Mm -hmm. Because last night, to me, was, and it wasn't a bad game by any stretch by Justin Falk, but it was his least impactful game that we've seen thus far in the series. I want to see him go back to the right side, and whatever you have to do to make the left side pairings work, make them work, but I, I want to see Justin Falk go back down to that third pairing on the right side is what I would like And to make no mistake here, guys, it's an elimination game. I would expect the unexpected, and yep. what I mean by that is Alexander Steen, who's doubtful, this, that, the other, he could be back. Yep. It's an elimination game. He got an awful long time to wait and heal after. Carl Gunnarsson, he could be back too. So all of this could be a moot point when we see the lineup come out tomorrow. Yeah. Next one up, this comes from Jeremy Rutherford as well. Craig Berube is back, boys. This is his statement to the media, so I can only imagine what he's saying to the team. Quote, I told them at the beginning of the series, it's going to be a long one. This is how we play. This is our game. We wear teams down over time in a series, and we are going to get this to a game seven, end quote. Oh, baby! It's Craig Berube right there. Like, listen to Craig Berube's first press conference when he was given the interim title. Go back on YouTube or Blues History and look at that. He talks about how we have a really good team here. Things haven't been going our way. We have some adjustments to make, but these guys are really talented players. We have a really good team here. 
That message has never changed. And then to watch the progression of the team and Craig Berube as a head coach into last year's playoffs where, let's be honest, he has one of the most simple, most direct, most incredible speeches before Game 7 talking about how we're here, we're going to win, we take the cup home. I'm paraphrasing, of course. So why would he be any different now? Chief, and here's, we talked about this in the break too, is because Craig Berube has had some of these speeches in the past or these statements and it's come true, the players believe, man. If Craig Berube put out there that, hey, guess what, guys? We're going to go out and we're all, every one of us going to be able to walk on water, right across that water without any problems at all. They would go out there and try it because they would believe that it could happen. Yep. I mean, this... That speech to me is just the the beginning. It's the appetizer of what's to come tomorrow against the Vancouver Canucks. That's that's lighting the fire before the team takes the ice for a optional skate or whatever they're going to do today on the ice in Edmonton. And then tomorrow that speech is going to go to the next level of, look, guys, get your heads right. We're ready to go with this one. We're taking down this Vancouver team. One more quick thought on that, too. That's not a mistake that that quote came up public. Yeah, not Let's at all. remember that, okay? What he's doing there is he's telling his team through the media exactly what he thinks about how they can win this thing and how they're going to do it. He's also telling Travis Green and the Vancouver Canucks, we expected a war. We love this environment. We wear teams down. So everybody who's sitting there on the Canucks side going, God, you know what? I do feel kind of crappy. I'm tired. I'm sore. And these guys are just getting started. This is going to be a tough one. Yeah, I don't know if that's how the, they're thinking. I mean, they, they are up 3-2, to two, but it is a good statement for the Blues, right? It, it certainly helps within that locker room, if nothing else. Last thing that I wanted to get to here, I saw this from Luke Korak last night, Jamie. I'd be curious to get both of your thoughts on this. He said, the line that killed the Blues last night was Sanford, Thomas, and Blay. They combined for a 27% Corsi 4 rating which is basically how often are you in the offensive zone? How many shots are you throwing at the net? What do you make of that, first of all? And second of all, do you expect to see different pairings on the offensive lines coming up in game number six as well? Talked about the defensive pairings. What do you expect on on the lines? Yeah, that line, you know what? You had some youth there. You had some youth making some mistakes, and that's the risk you run. You have that youthful energy that can be incredible, and we saw a great goal by Zach Sanford. We saw some great creative. Robert Thomas should have had a goal, too. We'd be th- we would be speaking a lot differently of that combination had you know that worked out. Now, that being said, I still think that Robert Thomas is where he needs to be right now is on the right wing with Bozak and Shen. He needs to be there. They need that speed. And Shen's, Bozak played really well last night. He played great, and Shen's tenacity is incredible. This guy, he's just involved in every play, and if that's the case, then Robert Thomas really becomes an asset. And I just think that, you know, you move that there, you put Sonny in between Blay and Sanford, and because he's Mr. Reliable there, he's going to be great in the defensive zone, great on faceoffs. If you still don't like your arrangement there, Barbashev can be moved up to that line, and you could have Sanford. Sunquist and Blay or Blay, Sunquist and Barbashev. Like, I just, to me, moving Robert Thomas is the key ingredient here. The only thing about that is I, I, you like having those three options to score without Thomas on that third line. I don't know if you're as excited in turn. Well, not excited. It's dependable in terms of offense. For me, yeah, but those two lines don't need the offense, yeah, Alex. For That's me, puck possession and wearing them down. So when your first two lines get out there, they've got worn down 
players. I'm not breaking up Sanford and Bar or Sunquist and Barbashev. I mean, when Sunquist finally got down to that line with Barbashev, it's like he had a different life to him. I mean, that look at that goal that was Shen's goal. Sunquist forechecking Barbashev Barbie to the right front of the net. net. Yeah. It's it's a duo that works. I will say when when Baruby broke up the line of O'Reilly, Schwartz, and Perron last night in the third to try and get some offense, Schwartz was with Shen and Thomas. Yeah. And that was your best line for about six, seven minutes. That was that six on five yeah. that you saw with with Thomas out there. So I, I would put Thomas up there, but I think I'd put Schwartz with him and try and go back to Sanford, O'Reilly, and Perron and see if you can get that chemistry back. You could, and I do. I would really like to see, and this would be exciting, to have Barbie, Sonny, and Blay yes. out there. That the bodies hit the floor, right? Like This would be a, a great physical Ooh, line. I just to, got goosebumps when you said that. Yeah. Let's do this. That's <laughs> Jamie Rivers. He's Alex Ferrario. I'm Brandon Kiley. You'll hear it all right here on 101 ESPN tomorrow night. Pre-game for Blues versus Canucks. Game number six begins. Friday night at 7.30. Puck drop at 8.45. All right here on 101 ESPN. We'll cross things over with the fast lane. It looks like BT coming in studio next. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. With former Blues superstar defenseman Jamie Rivers and Alex Frario. I'm Brandon Kiley. It's Ribs and BK on 101 ESPN. Time to cross things over with the Fastlane BT in studio. What's going on, man? Nothing. I just love the fact that you guys pump each other up so much. Like, that sounded good. If I was a random guest on this show, right. and I didn't know you guys, and I hear <laughs> superstar defenseman Jamie Rivers, I'm like, holy hell, I better bring it. If you didn't have Google. It. Yeah, of course. Right? Like, because right into an interview, somebody's not going to Google <laughs> right. Jamie Rivers. Like, they're probably trying to get their own stuff that they're going to be interviewed on. I hear him say that and think, boy, is my Rivers jersey worth anything at home anymore? It is. It is. It's worth a lot. Probably. Get a little respect. Not like much. Five bucks on it. eBay? Yeah. Oh, Thank you, Jamie, BT. Uh, like Jamie signed a, a hockey card for my future father-in-law the other oh, day. That right. thing's going to be worth millions here hey, pretty soon. Really? I didn't even charge him for that either. <laughs> it's true. Hey, we found out that apparently there's an entire Jamie Rivers clothing line yeah, out there right weird. now. That Did was we, weird. Is it really? There yes. Is. There's Wait, a, hold on. He sent us maybe a dozen t-shirts last it's night. It's incredible. I, had I couldn't even believe these like, things existed. They're like from multiple teams that I played on. Apparently somebody was banking. Are they banking. jerseys? No, they're, no. they're t-shirts. actual t-shirts. T-shirts like saying. They're like graphic Shut design up. t-shirts. BT, my favorite t-shirt said, just be yourself. But if you can't be yourself, be Jamie Rivers because <gasps> yeah. that's better. That's fantastic. I want that shirt. It was And this one here was actually pretty good, too. It says, uh, unless he pukes, faints, or dies, Jamie Rivers will keep going. That's what when you boog- want on your tombstone right there. When the boogeyman goes to bed at night, he checks his closet for Jamie Rivers. Yeah. Chuck Norris. Is That's enough. There's another one. Chuck Norris. Uh-oh. I love my husband, but I also love me some Jamie Rivers. <laughs> I know who put that one out. <laughs> Where did this come from? This this, this gentleman on, on Instagram messaged me and has said, hey, do you have any of these t-shirts that were made of for you? So I'm when like, were they made? When I played on, like, those, they all have color combinations. The green one, I don't know, but there was Ottawa Senators, Detroit Red Wings have a few. The Boston, Boston Bruins. Yeah, yeah. This is great. Jamie Pucking Rivers is one of them. That's my favorite one. one. That's yeah. my favorite. The one. last one that BK read had to have been a Bubbles T-shirt she came up with. The what? With my heart belongs to my husband. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Jamie Rivers. The Come other, on, guys. Another one. <laughs> when the boogeyman goes to sleep, he checks the closet for Jamie Rivers. Yeah. Of course he does. Of course. Okay, these are good shirts. Don't touch me unless you're Jamie Rivers. Whoa. I'm going to buy that for my wife. Mike Reiner would like that one. She'd probably want a different one, chances are. (laughs) See, so hers is like 
Don't touch me unless you're Ryan O'Reilly. If, if you're Jamie. <laughs> Don't touch me if you're Jamie. Yo, we, uh, I think we had this conversation, but you mentioned the card you signed for uh, BK's future father-in-law. We went, went down a rabbit hole looking for uh, stuff on eBay of, of, like, my cards, and I found a lot of cards that I didn't have before, but then we had fun of going back and forth, finding out how much my stuff was oh, compared no. to Jamie's stuff. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Stuff <laughs> is quite affordable yeah. on eBay. If you want to go on eBay, if you need any Jamie Rivers uh, cards, Brad Thompson cards, any pucks, <laughs> Sign, any baseball sign, they're affordable. And don't get, uh, uh, I at least looked at some of mine, don't get fleeced on an $80 baseball because all you got to do is catch me outside and I'll, I'll give it to you for fr- probably free yeah. 99 I've seen some of those like signed pucks for like $50. What are we and doing? I'm, like, I'm at the rink every day. Just come and say hi. Someone's going to be a hundred air with all of these. <laughs> yeah. That's my question. I know that a lot of people are into this. Like that's the thing. Uh, Pat Neshek, you, you guys know Pat Neshek, yeah. former Cardinal reliever. He's still slinging around signer. Pat Neshek is a huge like memorabilia guy and he's the guy that will stand outside of hotels when the nhl teams come into town and get autographs and get stuff signed he's like huge collector that's awesome. man. how much money can you make doing that really Some people like, you better make, love it now the market has dropped substantially yeah. in that stuff but when i first came into the league like hockey cards and pictures were massive market. Like guys were making cards are back though. Someone the just market is are back. They, someone yeah. just made a hundred k off a rookie Connor McDavid card that was autographed. Well, that's Connor McDavid. What though. has he done? <laughs> I mean, done? you're buying that for a hundred grand hey, on the fact that that investment could pay you back big time in the future. A hundred grand of Jamie Rivers cards, and you're right there with Connor McDavid. You could build a house. That's how many cars you would get. <laughs> how does a card have value? Do you guys ever like sit back and think of like how certain stuff has yes, value all the time? The funniest thing I've ever had of myself was when I was coming into the league as a prospect. Sprint had calling cards. And they they called my agent and made a deal with me to sign my X amount of Sprint calling cards that people could purchase. And I got a deal, and Sprint calling cards were in circulation around Canada with my... That's ridiculous. That's cool. That is so cool. Not, and it was like $5 cards. So you buy a Sprint $5 Jamie Rivers card. I was like, I'll sign it. This sure. is awesome. Hey, I, I got a quick question, BK a, yeah. a, and Alex, for you two. Have you, either of you two ever used a calling card? Yes. No. Yeah. Because that's old school. Wait, yes, right? actually school. once. When I went down, so I didn't end up having to use it, but I did have one. Uh, as a senior in high school, we, we did a mission trip with our football team down to Peru, and my mom bought me a calling card just in case. We had no idea okay. what the service yeah. was going to be like, if we were going to have any ability to call back home. So she bought me a calling card, but I did not use it so while I was down So you've seen one. I've seen what it looks like. <laughs> I mean, it's a chore. Like, you're, you're making a code? call. And I was <laughs> like, oh, God. Don't mess anything up. Like, like when you get the rotary Dude, you ever, have you ever used a rotary phone? Be honest. No. Yeah, okay. I have. When you mess up a number and a rotary oh, phone, what is it? Chris Rock hell. has the one. The, 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 the <laughs> one. <laughs> oh, I messed up. <laughs> Got to start over. <laughs> have you guys seen the video of millennials in the room where they're like, you got to figure out how to call out in the next five minutes, and if yes. you can't figure it out, you don't Four, get this hundred dollars. kids are pressing the button. Like, why is this not pressing? The I, I people, couldn't do it. I don't know how to do it. The people didn't know that. Like the young kids didn't know what like a busy signal was. Like, hey, what is this? <laughs> noise. Mm. Like, what is that? Eh, eh. What Didn't is know what that was. Did the dial-up? Dial tone. Yeah, dial-up internet. Remember when you had to call the uh, the number to right find now. out the movie times? Oh, yeah. Yes. Yes. Were like, hey, that was very helpful. To movie phone. That yeah. was very helpful, I thought. My kids, what was funny was we're watching a movie, an older movie. I forget which one it was. It's irrelevant to the story, but somebody runs in into a phone booth. My kids are yeah. like, the heck is that? <laughs> I mean, it's a phone booth. What do you mean? 
It's a payphone. Payphone? I'm like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, no. We're done here. Remember when you used to have a map to be able to get somewhere? Oh, I still have one. I well, had the I Atlas. Use it. The big book. I like that one better than trying to fold out the it's whole. It's way better. The yeah. bed sheet. It is way you know? better. I had the, little, the book. You'd like drive to a new town and then you'd have to go to the gas station to buy one of their books and wow. then you'd be able to drive around that town as a result. And here's the thing though, guys. We have all this technology and I still, to this day, I will look on in the Atlas book. Because they still have a better description of, like, mm-hmm. the shortcuts, the little wee roads <laughs> yep. that you're like... You can see it. You can yeah. see where it goes and where it leads to eventually, whereas your phone will just be like, take a right. And it's like, put a blindfold <laughs> on. <laughs> when, I, when, I did, when I do pest control for my dad, still every once in a while, I still use the map book. Because really? it gets... Oh, yeah, it still gets you to the house faster. And I'll go places... Like, if you go deep out into, like, St. Peter's or Wentzville or something like that, you lose signal. And you're done with your map, and then you're screwed. So I still use that map book to this day. That's crazy. BT, what's coming up today on the fast lane? Now? Nothing. Now I'm like throwing in the old school. We got a text. <laughs> we got a text uh, to the air cover service text line uh, with the phone number right, we used to call for the time and the temperature. <laughs> yes. Oh yeah, Wait, it's gonna what? be sunny today. Yeah, yeah. You call and you get the time of day because we didn't have three, cell phones. Three two one two 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 two. Yeah. Apparently around here they would tell you what time oh, it is. Well, yeah. How else you gonna know? Yeah. I, of course. I also would Should never watch. I would imagine. I would never look up phone sundial? numbers for places. I would call four one one to get the number for them to I direct me that. to the number. Like, Somebody lost their job because now we have access to all this stuff. I'd say a lot of somebody. (laughs) (laughs) But we got a lot coming up. We're going to talk about the Blues like you did all day. We talked about the goalie situation, the fact that they decide to just take a break uh, during games. That's fun. The Cardinals' miraculous 500 record. All kinds of good stuff today. That's coming up from 2 to 6. Ferrario and I will be back tomorrow at 11. Jamie off on assignment tomorrow. He's got some other stuff to do. He'll probably be giving me a call to help him with the, you know, handyman stuff. You are one pathetic loser. We'll see him on Monday. The Fast Lane's coming up next. You have been listening to the Ribs and BK Podcast on 101 ESPN. The Venture X Card from Capital One gives you more of what you love, like premium travel benefits and access to Taylor Swift tickets. Oh, I do love her. Earn five times miles on flights and ten times miles on hotels through Capital One Travel. Enjoy your stay in Suite 13. Whoa, 13? That's Taylor's lucky number. Plus, get access to Taylor Swift The Eras Tour, presented by Capital One. Maybe I'll see you there. The Venture X Card from Capital One. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com for details.